everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. Ha <laughs> ha, you talked first. What? What do you mean? I always talk first. Yeah, but this is our countdown show, which means you're now officially in the number three position. What? Three position? Yeah, we're doing top three countdowns tonight. So, <clears throat> coming as our number three co-host here on Slime Time in 2020... It's Platinum 3! Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. But uh, where's that cheering coming from? It's 2020. It's the year of pumping in crowd noise. It's not that hard to do. Besides, <clears throat> um, aren't, aren't you the one that edits that kind of stuff in, Platy? Oh, yeah, so true. Okay, but question for you, wait a minute. If I only reach number three co-host status, I mean, who beat me out? The only other co-hosts this year were you and Liam. And I mean, we did have that one off just a couple of weeks ago with Pendy. Well, the rules state Pendy wasn't eligible as he didn't host at least 10 episodes this year. So that must mean that I came in first and Liam came in second. Oh, thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Wait a minute, though. Didn't you talk second tonight? Yeah, but damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, uh, jokes aside, um, what we're going to do tonight, and then again in probably a couple weeks, is a kind of a countdown. Top three games that... um, Either us or our guests tonight have all played in the year 2020. Yes. Emphasis on the played in 2020 part. This isn't a top RPGs or platformers or puzzle games or what have you of 2020. Uh, It's just the games that brought us and our guests the most joy this year. All right. And we needed some joy this year. So the format you're going to hear tonight is we've got a quartet of returning guests here to talk about either their top two or their top three gaming experiences of the year. And then we'll be back in a week or two with a couple more guests. And Yangus and I will talk about our top three in that episode as well. Um, but mainly tonight, we're here just to host and harass our guests and mock their tastes in games or, or praise it because, you know, some of these games we like. But uh, welcome back, uh, Blue Star, Austin Erevar, Brewerian, and Brother Jaybird. Thanks, Thanks for buddy. having us back. Hello. Uh- <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. If we're going to do this introduction with these guys, and I'm going to do my announcer voice, we need to give them a proper introduction. Go right ahead. Let's give a big welcome to Blue Star, Osnerovar, Borurian, and Brother Jaybird. I don't know where I am. It's cold and dark. (laughs) What year is it? <laughs> it feels that's, like that's I have a burlap sack you over You're my just head. like, I'm so cold and dark. It's so dark in here. <laughs> I hear noises, but I don't understand where they're coming from. <laughs> right. We put them back in the box that he came from. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, uh, to kick things off, let's start with everyone's number three game played this year and i believe platy you had a certain person in mind to start us off i did but they didn't want to go first so i'm gonna pivot and we're gonna go to austin erivar what was your uh third best gaming experience this year i knew you'd pick me first <laughs> because Sorry. i told you i was going to 
<laughs> Alphabetically, baby. The rest of us are uh, bees. Oh, that is true. We got the ABBB crew. Okay, so, so we're going to talk about triple B games this year. <laughs> These don't all look like triple A games, so that's all right. Hey, but they were fun. That's right. That's all that's important. What did you have fun with? Yeah, so um, I didn't really play that many uh, games that come out or 2020 games in 2020 but the few that i did play um were mainly uh well the the, my number three pick anyway is crusader kings 3 and i played probably about 100 hours of that uh it was very easy to get carried away and just get sucked into it which i mean i always do that with strategy games anyway but this one was so complex and I mean, it's, it's a lot of it is sort of similar to Stellaris, which is something I'll talk about later. But it uh, it's it's based for anybody who doesn't know what it, what it's about. It's it's uh, pretty much based anywhere between the year I think it starts at like 900 all the way up to um, 1100 is around where you can choose to start. But I mean, games could go on for hundreds of years if you choose to keep playing. Uh, it's all based on like palace intrigue and relationships between lords and and uh, um, kings and counts and I mean it, it's it's set during the medieval times so any any um, any kind of like governmental body that would ex- have existed at that time you can pretty much play as whether it, it's uh, whether you're talking about like in Ireland or even some Middle Eastern cultures. It's it. There's no limit on like what type of government you can play as. That's pretty cool. Now, I've actually heard about this quite a bit. Um, someone on one of the weekly podcasts I listened to, an RP gamer, um, I guess played the second one a lot. And was this what? Did this one come out this year? Or yeah, did a new one came, come out. Yeah, three came out. Uh, I don't. I think it may have been in the fall. I don't remember the okay. day exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, three I want to say it was out. kind of recent, at least. Mm-hmm the past three months yeah two's been popular for a long time but it's always been really hard for people to get into because it never really explains itself very well mm-hmm. and it's an incredibly complex game already with like just dozens and dozens of different systems on top of systems so if you don't have a way to understand it it can be really hard to under to get into two three sort of fixed that a lot uh with uh, some better tutorials and and better ui that's really the the biggest thing is the interface is easier to use uh-huh. are there any sort of battles or is it more diplomacy and choices text-based choices yeah it's it's got a it has combat and um uh you you know you very often get pulled into wars whether it's like a holy war or you have an ally that's going to war with somebody and you have if you're an ally with them you have to you can either choose not to but your reputation will take a hit so you you very often go to war but it's it's uh the combat is very much a secondary thing and it seems to be all based around um marriages alliances uh using using your your the skills that your ruler has in different ways like you can uh you can focus on like intrigue and and use spies to learn secrets about neighboring rulers and use that to blackmail them or you can you can kill somebody who's like in in the uh, uh like for example let's say you're third in line to inherit a neighboring county well you can kill everybody above you if you have the 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 required skills to do that covertly 
So yes, I'd heard a lot of the, as you said, you know, um, marriage and bloodline and whatever. I, I heard that uh, gets quite interesting. And I've seen quite a few memes and uh, stuff about it. And someone posted something the other day about brother, brother, husband, or son, husband, husband, son. I remember My... this happening. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> you know, you got to keep it in the family. Uh oh, did we lose Ost for a minute? No, everybody's still here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I've, I've so... never personally played uh, any of the Crusader Game King, Crusader King games, but I am. I know Paradox and their games, and they are, to say lightly, very involved. So yeah, pretty much all I've heard about this is the strategy and all of that. But I have heard that it takes, and hearing him talk about playing for 100 hours and knowing this that uh, hasn't been out all that long. 100 it, hours, I guess you could say it sucked him in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, this is a uh, this is quite something involved that you could get sucked into for quite a long time. And I know generation by generation through the game can take quite a bit to go through the steps. And we did lose Aust here, which is why we're all just rum rambling about a game that we've never played. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard, really heard of this series until this third one came out. I, I think Aust has mentioned it a few times on the Den. It's not one I really looked into, but I mean, from what little descriptions like I've heard from him and like what I've seen on the Discord and what I've looked up elsewhere, it seems like it could be a pretty interesting time. It's just probably not something that I would personally pick up and play, but, you know, it still seems like it'd be, a you know, something fun to try out if you got the chance. Like if you had a buddy who had a copy or something, you tried it out at his place. Oh, you know, you gave Civ 6 a chance this year. Yeah. Civ can be a lot of fun if you play with the right people. This yeah, is I, a very true statement. <laughs> Yes. Last time I think I tried playing a Civ game was years ago when I was still in high school and I played it with a buddy of mine at his house and we only got like halfway through a game before we had to leave and I hadn't touched a game a Civ game since. I picked up six for like <laughs> 20 bucks or something for the Switch. It's pretty fun, except the you tutorial should... just totally borks out halfway through it because one of the actions I want you to take, the game won't actually let you take it. So, <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But I remember playing that a bit over the summer and I mean, if this... Uh, or, What's it called? Crusaders 3? Was that what it was? Crusader Kings 3, yeah. Crusader yeah, Kings, yeah. excuse me. Um, I mean, if it's sort now of like Civ or, you know, sort of has that sort of gameplay <laughs> idea to it, I mean, you know, it could be something I'd check out then if it, you know, was on PS4 or PS5 or something like that, you know? All right, we're going to move on to our next person. And uh, if Oss gets back to us later, if he has anything else he wants to say, we can let him. But Blue Star, why don't you talk about your number three game of the year? And this is something, uh, it's a 50-50 coin flip if this will be the next game I play, too. But go ahead and tell us about your third favorite experience this year. Well, uh, you, you say it'll be a 50-50 coin flip if this one will be the next game you play. But if I recall correctly, you actually have a different game. Uh, so my oh, game that's right. <laughs> Totally there's so different. many in this there's, series. There's ab absolutely nothing in common between the two of them. Uh, well, more or less. Uh, well, the game, my number three game of the year is Tales of Symphonia. I played it over the summer, and uh, it's kind of an old school game. It was originally re released for the GameCube in 2004, and it's been re-released on a lot of different platforms. So if you want to get your hands on the game, it's fairly easy at this point. Um, the version that I played was the PS3 remaster that came out in 2013. Um, it was a game that I had actually tried to get into before, uh, and just somewhere somewhere along there was enough non-linear story patterns where I came up against a boss that I wasn't supposed to be there yet and just got 
bodied. It was a good time, it, but it made me put the game down for probably five or six years. Um, but I, with all of the free time that came with being cooped up in my house all summer, uh, I did get to pick it up again, and I did actually beat it. And it was really funny, because it's one of those games where when you explore the world and you think you're almost done exploring the world, you have you have this goal, you get there and you think you're you think you're finishing the game, and then suddenly there's like fifty more hours of story. So Oh uh, yeah, that's that's tales all the way. Yeah. Every, absolutely. every time you think you're done, it goes, Hey, here's another complete like arc to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the gist of the story is that uh, your main character is named Lloyd, and he is the adopted son of a dwarf who lives on the outskirts of a village. Um, he's your typical, I guess, class clown, doesn't want to study type. He's the village character. idiot. Yeah, basically. That's <laughs> thank you. Um, so, uh, and his his best friend Colette is the chosen one who is supposed to regenerate the world. And the game starts as, you know, she is sort of starting this prophecy journey where she needs to go to all the different elemental shrines, which you probably recognize from a lot of RPGs, um, in order to sort of reverse the flow of energy so that the world starts to, you know, heal itself uh, naturally, like with, uh, with all of its environmental and nature things rather than slowly deteriorating over time. So what I think it is, what I, if I remember right, it was that the mana is draining from the world and her taking over the prophecy of, I forget the uh, role that she takes, she's going to restore the mana to the world. That's the yep. whole point of it. Yep, that's the whole point. Um, so through, throughout the game, you sort of see, it's, it's a very anime-styled uh, story, and you know you get a really fun cast of characters that you can all control in combat. Uh, one of the cool things that I really enjoy about the Tales games is that they're all actually four-player. Um, so in battles, you can con you control a character and you can have up to four friends controlling the other characters. So it's, it's, a, it's a good time if you want to go through a very in-depth story and micromanage all of your character's equipment with a friend. Uh, so that's what I do with my brother most of the time when we're actually both home together. Um, but the Tales series is a lot of fun. It's uh, they're, they're all different. None of them really feel quite the same way. There's a lot of similar mechanics and similar ideas that transfer between the different titles. Um, so you'll, you'll have cameos from other characters, much like you'll probably see in Dragon Quest. Uh, but it's they're, they're all very different. So if you don't like one, it's very possible that you could pick up another and really enjoy it. Would you say this is like a Final Fantasy game? Uh, I don't <laughs> know a lot about Final Fantasy. <laughs> I was going to say, that was going to perk up Brewery and Zeres. He's like, Final Fantasy. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, it, 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 tale, the Tales game is basically parallel. Each game is its own game, except when it has a direct sequel like Tales of Symphonia did. But they are very much each their own game, much oh, like so the Final Fantasy with... games. Yeah, got it, got it. That—that's what I meant by asking that. Our, I was being our... a little uh, facetious. <laughs> oh, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> so, what's the game that you and I just bought on the eShop in the past month? <laughs> so we bought Tales of Vesperia, uh, which baby. I believe was the title that released after Tales of Symphonia, but 
there's a lot of them and they all have sort of obscure made up word titles and it's hard to keep track of which came when. Uh, so I haven't actually played Tales of Vesperia either. It's something that I'm hoping to have time to pick up sometime at some point, maybe. Uh, so Vesperia has a very troubled past because Microsoft paid a lot of money to get Japanese RPGs on their systems. So they paid Bandai Namco to bring the game over, even though it wasn't done. So there's content missing from the original release of the game that we got over here. But Japan had it on the PS3 and its complete version. And we didn't get that for years and years and years and years until it released in the last year or two over here on the Switch and the PS4 and, you know, every other system that it's on to where we finally got the complete full version of the game because Microsoft had to get a little snipey trying to capture the Japanese market because they also did that with Eternal Sonata. They, I love they, that they, game too. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 paid for, they paid a lot of money for it to have it exclusively on their console and it was missing content that the PS, you know, the, the Japanese version had that they had on the PS3 mm-hmm. and we eventually got that version. Yeah, but. I remember that the HD version of Tales of Vesperia, or the complete edition, whatever it ended up being called. I remember that was a pretty big deal that we were getting that, um, what was that announced at like E3 2017, 2018, yeah. or something like that. I remember that was a pretty big deal that we were getting the full package game. Because they announced it, I think, Microsoft's E3 conference that, that year. And um, like even though I'm not really big into tales and don't really know a whole lot about it like most everywhere i've looked it was one of the top headlining like articles for like just about any gaming news website you could go to like it It was was, a big deal that it was coming it was it was a pretty big deal because a it was an older tales title and why bring over an older one when they can just do a new one and monetize that but getting back to symphonia symphonia was actually the first tales game that i played back on the gamecube because i was very very starved for RPGs being a GameCube owner, and it was among one of the first released, so I kind of just jumped on it, just because, hey, it's an RPG on the GameCube. There's not a lot of those. And <laughs> there never I ended were, up, no. <laughs> yeah, and I, I ended up really liking the game. I never played any of the remakes. I actually owned the PS3 version, but I never actually played it, because it had all of the content that was cut from the original uh, GameCube version. Uh, but... I don't know. They also changed how the game looks because on the GameCube version, it had this nice cell shading and it looked very kind of, I guess you could say cartoony because that's how cell shading is. But it, they gave it um, different um, a different look on the PS3 version. And it's not, a, it's not bad, it's just different. Um, that's interesting because I'd still say the PS3 version looks kind of cell shaded. Uh it, but it, then again, I ne- I never played the GameCube version. So. It's it's. Uh, I mean, if you look at a comparison version, you you can see it. You can see a big difference between the two. But it's not like, oh no, they changed it. It's ruined now. <laughs> yeah, but there would be some differences just because of like different engines they'd have to put it on mm-hmm. for the you know HD consoles compared it, to the GameCube. As far as I'm aware, it's the same game. It just added in the content that got cut from the North American release of Symphonia that we got. So, because mm. there were, I think, the one thing that I can think of is there were character arts attacks that got special animations that, for whatever reason, got cut out of the GameCube version. But, you know, placed they were in the GameCube version in Japan. They just didn't make the cut over here. <laughs> but they put them back in for the PS3 version when it re-released here with uh, the uh, dual game release. What was the second one called? Uh, good, good question. I didn't hear very good things about it, so I didn't actually uh, 
play it. Uh, <laughs> most people, I know most people. Tales of... Dawn of the New World. Dawn of the New World, that's it, yeah. According uh, to Google. Didn't, uh, yeah, here, didn't do too hot, but... Uh, uh, again, I've never played it, so... I know it was an originally a Wii release, and, you know, it's on the PS3 as well now, so... Yeah. Oh, and the PC, go play, it's on Steam. Go buy it. I'm sure this uh, Steam's winter sale is going to be happening here real soon. Probably get it real cheap. <laughs> As I got my Vesperia. Yes, thank you for that that tip, Platty. Yep. <laughs> we both we both got Tales of Vesperia for fifteen dollars on the Switch. So. So yes, we so did. was um was Symphonia your first Tales game as well, or it did you play not, any of the other? It was not. Uh, my first Tales game was actually Tales of Graces, which released for the P. Sorry, it was Tales of Graces F. Uh, which yeah. released for the PS3 in, I believe, 2010. Um, I think there might have been a similar uh, sort of situation where originally there was an incomplete version that was released on the Wii. And, you know, a year or two later, we got, you know, the actual full version on the PS3. And Tales of Graces is actually one of my all-time favorite games. So that's sort of what got me into the series. And You know Why? Why? Because it was one of the first ones you played. <laughs> That's generally how these things go. Tales of Symphonia was my first. It's my favorite. No other Tales has lived up quite to it. That's, yeah, that's that's definitely where it's at. I've played a lot of them, um, especially a lot of the newer ones. Uh, but Tales of Graces is definitely my top. But I didn't play it this year, so. All right. So, hey, that looked, it. it I know a lot of people enjoy this series. It is a series I've never played before. Um, I look forward to that. Maybe that being one of my first games of 2021, though. They're they are actually pretty fun. They've got they they all the games always have great character interactions. I always like most of the cast. You know, there's always <laughs> that one character where you're just like, ah, get out of here. I don't like you. <laughs> but it was like that with Symphonia. I liked everybody in the party. I liked all of their backstories. Um, I especially liked uh, Zelos because uh, one of the main char- or one of the main characters for Symphonia, for everything that he went through. Because more or less, well, I don't want to spoil it, but then again, it's like a fifteen-year-old RPG. But it, hey, it, it's also interesting because Zelos is the character that I was going to roll my eyes at. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, he's kind of like a parallel to Luke from Tales of the Abyss. This is one that I have not played. You should play Abyss because it is actually one of the better, if not best, Symphonia, or Symphonia, Tales of Games. <laughs> is that the one on, that's on 3DS, too? Yeah, it came yeah, out it was on a 3DS it was pretty a, early. It was a PS2 release, and it came out on Valentine's Day 2014, so <laughs> I think at least. That's when I bought it. My girlfriend broke up with me, so I spent the money I was going to spend on her on Tales of, Sympho- or Tales of uh, the Abyss. <laughs> oh, that's memories. So, that's amazing. <laughs> I think that's a hard. That was a hard 3DS game to find shortly after it came out too, because yeah. I remember when some of my buddies had gone off to college. I sent them a picture because I knew one of them was a fan of the Tales series, and I'm like, "Hey, look what I uh, happened to pick up." And he's it's like, also, "I haven't been able to find a copy at all. I've been looking forever." It's also hard on the eyes because the 3D for that game is rough. Ooh. People actually use the 3D on the 3DS. I tried I to use it. the 3D on that game, and that ga- that that just hurt my eyes. It gave me a headache. I had to turn it off. It did this weird thing to where it would pop the word bubble out to give it this super 3D effect, but then the text would be on the base layer, so it was like you were it, it was like you were looking into a hole reading each text <laughs> bubble, and it just hurt. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I got about 10 hours into that game, but I just never ended up beating it. It's the first and only Tales game that I've played so far, but I wouldn't mind checking out... Um, it's one that there's one that came out on the PS4 a few years ago, like Tales of Berseria. I think it's Berseria. Called. Yeah, that was actually the first Tales game that featured a female protagonist. So that's actually you know one of the really cool things about it. Um, you forgot about uh, Zillia Tales of Zillia. Okay, Tales of Zillia has a female protagonist, but it's one of two protagonists that you get to pick. Tales of Berseria has one protagonist and is a female. Which is yeah, real cool. Um, yeah, she's pretty cool. That's, I like her design. That is she a fair like point. A interesting character. I'll, I'll acquiesce to that. <laughs> See, these these are the ones that I've played, so I know more about them. Um, I have not <laughs> finished Tales of Berseria, but it is it's it's one that I started over the summer, and then school started, and I had to put it down. Um, That's but I'm how hoping it goes. To, I'm hoping to be able to get back to it soon. But it's it that one's actually really interesting because it. Um, it kind of has you playing as the antagonists rather than the protagonists. So you you and your band are mostly, you know, demons trying to overthrow the the government that everybody thinks is, you know, totally saintly and godlike. So it's it's that an interesting most, story. That would explain some games. of the character designs then, because I remember when seeing a few of the like skit interactions for Basaria, like not a lot of the characters came across as like they were supposed to be the good guys. Like particularly the one witch character. Who oh yeah, like, she's <laughs> like she didn't seem very friendly at all, which was really funny because I saw that video shortly after I had played um, Fire Emblem Echoes, and the same voice actress who voiced Celica voices that witch girl that I'm talking about, and it's like total opposite for personalities. (laughs) She she is one of my favorite voice actresses. She also voices one of the characters in Tales of Graces, and it's also, you know, it's, it's a completely different character, but you can totally tell it's the same voice actress. So she's super talented, and I love her. Yeah. I just recently saw her in one of the episodes for Hell of a Boss, which is an animated, uh, like, very adult show on YouTube. And she does a pretty good job voicing the character that she does. She's very sarcastic and just so crass. It's so funny. (laughs) All right. I'm going to end this Tales right here as we've uh, been going on for quite a while because we got lots of other guests that have some games to talk about. Uh, we're going to move Benson to Brother Jaybird next. Makes me hurt inside. <laughs> this tales. He always <laughs> cuts me off when I'm talking. <laughs> yep, yep. Notice I, Jaegis got going, and I had to step in here. Yeah, thanks, Platty. You're welcome. You're welcome. Much obliged. <laughs> um, but let's get to a game that's more on the brand of slime time here. You know, sometimes on the side quest, we navigate back to a main quest brother jaybird what is your number three gaming experience of the year i'm so excited you you added this (laughs) you you just highlighted for me yeah i'll get to that one so second ad uh, yeah so this is a game that actually hasn't didn't come out this year um i'm actually very very late to get on the bandwagon for this one shame on me but uh my my third number three game of the year would be dragon quest 11 um, yeah. which I <laughs> there's a little dragon quest chime that goes in here somewhere some little uh, one of those little jackpot one of those uh, jackpot uh, fanfares um, anyway no we need to put in um, we need to put Salvando going fabulous darling <laughs> <laughs> so um, this was a game that I was actually really excited to play because I'm a big uh, Dragon Quest fan. It's one of my go-to RPGs. Um, 
traditional RPGs, uh, though I didn't uh, really come around to it until I was, gosh, early high school, late middle school, early high school, with the release of Dragon Quest VIII. I talked a bit about that in um, when you had me on for the Heroes uh, mm -hmm. quests. So I was really excited to play this one, but I wasn't able to get a hold of it because I don't have a pr an appropriate system for it. Um, my lap, I, I finally got around to getting it on Steam, uh, and I have been slowly, slowly slogging my way through it um, on my on my laptop. I've been able to play it. I, I was able to configure it such that it played, um, but I'm willing to accept my lack of the full experience just for the pleasure of being able to act, finally play it. And I'm discovering by uh, fits and starts um, the kind of game it is, how it figured, how it uh, fits in with the rest of the game, and all the little uh, neat updates they've done to it, uh, and, how it and how it compares with something like the original Dragon Quest VIII. So uh, this game has a couple of new, or at least new to Western uh, players, innovations in it, such as uh, the existence of campsites and the Fun Time Forge, which is a substitution for the traditional alchemy mechanic. It's not the first time uh, Dragon Quest has had forging, but it's uh, the, one of the first times Westerners have had it in the main game. I And I always tend to qualify this with the first time Westerners have seen it because there's this giant, what was it, five, six-year gap in between Dragon Quest Nine and Dragon Quest Eleven, uh, called Dragon Quest Ten, which we never got a single <laughs> bit of. <laughs> nope. So we so we got kind of we got we got kind of skipped over for that uh, interquel. So I don't know how exactly uh, how deep the roots go and all the new stuff that we've got, but it's actually been quite a trip to um, see this little bit of the story. Nice. Um, so what have you? How far are you at right now? Uh, I have I have received the ship and I've um, complete I have thoroughly completed everything I can get my hands on up through Zwards Rust or Zwards Rust depending on how they want you to pronounce it, um, including uh, a very cool little side quest they had where you get to actually uh, pray for the dead um, by actually using prayer spells on them in combat, which I thought was a neat little innovation. Um, so I've there. I've gotten up through the part where you first encounter Zwards Rust, and I am about to move on through the rest of the uh, through to the rest of the story. All right. Part of the part of the reason I'm taking so long, unfortunately, is because I'm also. Uh, you may recall, technically, I'm running a little a kind of gaming journal in the den uh, where I record my experiences uh, with a lot of a lot of critique and a lot of uh, sarcasm. <laughs> um, in the Dragon Quest XI section, so I'm al I've also been composing that for a while, and Blue has been very dutiful and poked me <laughs> repeatedly. It's like, hey, is it done yet? Hey, is it done yet? Hey, how much how, how much progress have you made? And I was like, yeah, I'm making progress, little by little. I added a period to a sentence that didn't have it today. That's my progress. <laughs> really? That's all you got done today? Oh man, I'm disappointed. See? See? She's good for that. Okay. Hey, is it done yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> so who's been your favorite character or characters yet? Any good moves or... Oh, gosh. Um, well, we've only got Sylvan. We've got... In my party, we've got Eric, uh, Veronica, uh, Serena, and Sylvando. And so far, I don't have a specifically favorite character, um, though I think certain... Um, 
interaction. I tend to prefer certain interactions between them so far. The most appealing thing I've seen is Eric just getting tired of everyone around him for having so much more energy than he does and for getting, you know, distracted by, you know, the sights and sounds of places like um, Gondolia. Gondolia, thank you. Uh, such uh, such that, you know, they totally ignore the fact that there's technically a wanted sign hanging all over, over all of their heads from the Heliodorns. Uh, that's technically spoil. I'm sorry, that's spoilers. That's bad. My bad. Although technically that's like really early game, so I'm not that... Yeah, we, I think but, most of our listeners probably have played this by now, and if okay. not, sorry about the first ten hours. Everybody's played <laughs> it except for Brother Jaybird, uh, but also they described the game as the tale of a hunted hero so i don't know that that's really much of a spoiler yeah i was gonna say you see him getting chased in the uh just in like the preview videos yeah okay so the hero getting hunted and the only one who cares is eric (laughs) (laughs) that's my that's my favorite interaction so far it's because they're best bros well if you've seen my twitter feed more than best bros according to some people i've seen the fan art (laughs) <laughs> There's always fan art. I have not seen the fan art, nor will I go looking for the fan art. <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to, I think, do you have anything else? I know you're early in the game. Anything else you want to expand upon? Um, or... I think you'll be able to read all about it in his journal when he finally finishes it. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> Look forward to that on the Dragon's Den. <laughs> Soon, later, much later, something like that. I will. I, I, I aim to have the next entry completed before the end of the year. I yeah. aim. I aim. Okay. I don't know whether the arrow will hit the target, but I aim. <laughs> and it will be hosted there for an eternal amount of time. Until the server. And, uh, <laughs> until the database is break. And uh, speaking of the word eternal, that that was my horrible segue. Um, Brurian didn't have a number three game of the year, and we'll get to your number two pretty soon. But I know uh, Austin's had some little technical difficulties on and off today, but he's here. He says he's hearing us clearly right now. So uh, let's go to his number two game experience of the year. Okay, everybody can hear me, right? We yeah. can. Yes, Yay! we okay. got you. Coming in loud and clear. Yeah. So, okay, this is the only other 2020 game that I played in 2020. Um, Do we need to start the heavy guitars? <laughs> yeah, the, the Doom, the, the classic Doom music, or the iconic Doom music. Um, so, yeah, this is a Doom game. <laughs> Rip and tear. Yeah. Um, that was a pause there, just so you knew that's all I have to say. No. <laughs> um, I was going to I mean, say, like... It's done some things differently, but uh, for the most part, if you played uh, Doom, the the Doom that came out in 2016, then you've played this. It's more of the same, but with platforming, oddly enough. Hmm. Um, uh, it's it's a very solid game. Like I, I enjoyed uh, Doom 2016 a great deal when that came out, and this is uh, this is more or less just. Uh, I don't want to say an improvement because there are some differences that if you're not keen on, then you probably would like the previous game more. But I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the platforming segments that uh, were added to the game. Um, the there's a lot of lore in this one as opposed to 
any Doom game, really. D Doom has never really been known for its lore. Uh, and this is this is all stuff that you can just like read in the menu as you pick up items in the world. You don't you don't you're not forced to to read any of it if you don't want to. But you know some of it's pretty interesting there if you, if you uh, want to take the time to do that. Yeah, that's pretty much all there is to it. It's I mean it's it's Doom. It's a uh, it's a uh, an adrenaline junkies game. It, I mean. There were times when uh, when I was playing it with my headphones on, where like I had to stop because my heart was racing too fast. It was it was just that it gets you that pumped up. Oh yeah, I I played a lot of Doom 2016 years after the fact. I think I played it early this year or late last year. But um, they're, they're, these are not games that I generally play, like first-person shooters and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. um, the the girlfriend was like in another room and she hears me playing this and she's just like what is that disgusting sound every time I would do like a melee kill on an enemy she's like yeah. what is that and that's all yeah, that's the, really all that the needs glory to be said kills. about it yeah yeah that's all that needs to be said glory kills that's what you want yeah the the glory kills were something that were introduced in Doom 2016, and they they make a return in this one, and it's it's honestly kind of a, a neat little mechanic. It's just um, uh, you you you're firing on an enemy, and you get to the point where they start glowing orange, and that means you can go in for an instant glory kill, which gets you a bunch of uh, health points essentially and uh, ammo, I think. Yeah, that sounds so about right. A, this would be a good game to switch over to after I deal with a hour-long story section in uh, one of my uh, Trails of games. <laughs> Wake me back up at night so I don't fall asleep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like a turn-your-brain-off sort of thing if that's what you want from it. Uh, um, it's it's exciting. It's, you know, action-packed. Not, not, the story is not necessary for you to really pay attention to, so. What consoles is this out on? It actually I know just it's came out, out on PC. Box switch on the eighth. Oh, okay. Yeah, it just came out this month. Is that switch. what you said? Oh, wow. I think it was yeah, released I knew on the other consoles back in March or something. Yeah, it came out on PC, Xbox, PS4 back in March. Uh, I knew they were working on a Switch version. I just didn't know when they were going to do it. Um, I, I, I can't imagine. I'm not good at playing first-person shooters on console. I need to use a keyboard and mouse. But uh, with I know with 26. Oh, did we lose them? Yeah, I got the sudden drop. And now Wonderwall. <laughs> While we're waiting for Oz to come back, um, I have been playing. Haven't been playing Doom Eternal, but I have been playing uh, Doom Classic on my Switch. They had it on sale uh, back during Black Friday for like two dollars, along with um, some of the other Doom games. You like you, Doom you could get 64. like Doom One, Two, Sixty Four, and Three for um, like I think like a total of eight dollars if you bought all four of them. That's not and, bad. You should yeah, play play them all. They're not they're not bad games. They've aged pretty well. Maybe not Doom 64, but they've aged pretty well. Yeah, I picked I, up um Doom maybe 1. Not Doom, maybe not Doom 3. Doom 1 and yeah, Doom, Doom 2 are good. Yeah, Doom 3 is the one I've heard you got a kind of it's it's got a mixed reception on it. <laughs> yeah. I I when that game came out, me and a friend, he had just built his PC and we stayed up all night playing that game and just some of the mechanics in the game were real dumb how stuff would spawn behind you constantly like you have your flashlight out you'd be going down corridors and then things would just turn up behind you so there was a lot of turning around to kill uh demons because that's just how it happened 
Yeah, but playing Doom Classic, it's been pretty good. Mm. I do like how with the first episode, when you get to the end of that, like you go into this dark room from a transporter and you just immediately get mauled to death. <laughs> and the game's just like, wait, this shouldn't be how it ends. What the heck's going on? <laughs> that was pretty funny. All right. Well, I think Oz is gone for a little bit again. We'll uh, hopefully get him back on to hear his number one game of the year. Um, but let's hear from someone who hasn't had a game choice because uh, they couldn't come up with a number three. So no, we'll, well, it's no. not that I didn't want to, or <laughs> not that I, it's more that I didn't want to than I that I okay. didn't do it. I can't. I that I didn't want to, but it's because I didn't want to. <laughs> it's okay. He knew enough about my th- my th- number three game that it balances out. I was going to say, you've already heard him talk quite a bit tonight, but uh, we'll we'll put him in the spotlight right now. Um, Brurian, go ahead and talk about your uh, number two gaming experience. My number two gaming experience is 20XX. Now, if you haven't heard of 20XX, you might recognize it as more or less. Um, is this a Mega Man game? And the answer is... Yes and no at the same time. So 20XX is a PC game that released in 2014. Uh, It was made by uh, this company, like a two-man team, I believe it was. And the guy who came up with the concept pretty much was like, hey, I want to make a Mega Man game because enough Mega Man games are not being made, but I want people to keep playing it. So I'm going to make it a roguelike. So more or less, Mm. it... Uh, it's a platformer. It's a roguelike platformer with uh, permadeath. Um, so it's all it's all a great combination. Um, uh, there's not really a lot of story to this game because that's generally how kind of roguelikes go, except if it's rogue legacy. But uh, you've got two characters. You've got Nina and you've got Ace. And they are very much, hey, this is X and this is Zero. They are the same colors. They look almost exactly the same. But they're not and you are kind of in a laboratory i guess the the story isn't really kind of fleshed out that well you're in a laboratory and you're being tested as robots for you know the upcoming apocalypse or something and you've got two doctors who are uh, so every time you die every time you uh, finish a run not uh, you know non-successfully or unsuccessfully you'll get a failure note for the run and on the most recent run that i did uh, the doctors told me, I know we're supposed to be improving it, but it's so fun watching it stumble around and die. Uh, I guess, I, I mean, have any of you really played a, a, a decent roguelike or anything like that? I know a lot of you kind of stick to, like, RPGs and stuff like that. I mean, you have played like a few the, roguelikes. Yeah, I mean, off and on. I've watched you that... navigate the explosions in this game when you stream. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've streamed this game a few times on the Discord, so I know that Blue and Jaybird have at least watched me play. I think Yank has popped in one time, so yeah. uh, it's it's very standard fare, roguelike. You try to complete a level, it's randomized for every level, except this is more in the vein of uh, a Mega Man game, right? So you're given a boss. Move from point A to the end of the level. You've got different things that can happen along the way. You can have items that you can find. Uh, on the path to the boss or off on these little sub paths for the generated areas they could be augments for your armor so like in any regular Mega Man X game you have armor parts well that is a thing in this game you can get a buster that fires a tri shot in kind of a cone format out in front of you you can have it shoot in four different directions Uh, you can have a buster augment that automatically charges for you so every shot you fire is a charged shot and then you've got same for every other part, a helmet, uh, armor, boots. So depending on how well your run is, you can get great items or you can get awful items. 
You can run into little stores that will sell you items based on the currency that you pick up from the enemies and the level. Um, and, you know, after you beat the boss, there's eight of them, like in a standard Mega Man game. But instead of going back to, like, a screen where you choose what boss you want to play next, after you beat the boss, you get a choice of, I'm going to take the boss's weapon, or I'm going to get a pick up a random uh, power-up. And it could be anything that, uh, you know, ups your power, ups your strength, your jump, uh, it could even be an item that gives you like extra dash, uh, a double jump, literally any of the items that you have unlocked. It just It's just kind of the other option if you don't want the uh, boss power. And then once you get through that, you get a choice of three bosses that you can choose from. So if you know the order of bosses, hey, this boss is weak to that, you can pick up the power uh, weapon, go to that boss and beat him. Now the way I play is the painful way of I never pick up the boss weapons and I just kind of play in the order of I know that this boss will be a pain in the butt if I don't beat it now, then later. Because as you progress through the game, the boss's attacks and patterns will completely change. The boss room will get harder, extra stuff will be added in. So if you have a boss that you have trouble with, you want to defeat them sooner than later because they get a whole lot harder. And uh, there's really not much more to say about it than that it, it is it is a co-op game so you can play this online with a friend or uh you know local co-op too so you can do kind of couch co-op with a friend you play nina Yula plays ace there's even two dlc characters that you can choose from and there's a there's a plethora of modes that you can do like you can play standard mode which you can choose easy normal hard based on that so in normal mode you know you die that's it you're gone you're dead game over but in like easy mode you get three lives so if you run out of health you know it'll boot you back uh to the last place you were in and you can kind of keep going and then there's like hard mode defiant mode which is not a friendly mode at all and then you've got other stuff like daily challenges weekly challenges and even when you're doing those challenges you can do like hard modes of those challenges so you can do a regular daily challenge or a defiant mode hard daily weekly challenge and they even offer up stuff like uh, boss attack modes. So there's a lot of ways to play this game. You just, you know, find the way that you'd like to play it and have fun. Sometimes a run will last you five minutes or it could last you 50 minutes based on how well you do. So that's really all there is to say about that. All right. Anybody else play this one? No, but I can relate to him saying like runs can either last, can go really quick or really short or really, they either last a long time or they end real fast i've had that so many times with the binding of isaac where you just die on like the first or second floor because you get nothing you get no help <laughs> but i do remember watching you play this one brewery and um i think it was back yeah. around thanksgiving time and it seemed like a pretty fun game like i at first thought that it was a Mega Man spinoff or something but then you told then you you know explained during that uh, stream what it was exactly and you know you tell us about it tonight it sounds like something that would be pretty fun to play especially if you're you know big into Mega Man and you know you're not really happy with capcom kind of you know beating <laughs> around the bush about that with that series I mean, even, even if that's the case, it's a fun game to play because it's one, you know, it's a roguelike. It's one of those, ah, uh, you know, I beat it recently, but then you can go back through it and have a completely different experience. So yeah. sometimes if I have a really easy run to where I just kind of clear through it without, uh, without much effort, I'll do a run to where I will save all of the bosses that I know are going to be super hard until the last ones because they will be more of a challenge and generally how i play these platformers is i don't ever use boss weapons so it's i always just use standard buster so it really adds an extra challenge in 
But yeah, if you, I, I don't even think this game is that much. It's like ten or fifteen bucks. I think it was even free on the Epic Store recently. So I, I say give it a shot. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, yeah, I bought it off Steam back in 2014 when it came out because okay. uh, because I just I liked everything about it. Uh, I waited for it. Actually, I waited for it to exit early access, which was not 2014. I think it was like 2016, maybe. Because I don't, I, I generally don't try to buy early access games, just in case you know they uh, abandon it. But they came out with version one, and it's a great game. And they they're continually patching it while working on a sequel game, 30XX, which is going to be, I guess, more of the same but different enough to warrant a sequel. Whoa, 30XX. Yeah, 30XX. More Double bang for your buck. <laughs> so Party that like it's $29.99. Oh, is we, it? If we assume 20XX is their Mega Man X game, is 30XX going to be their Mega Man Zero game? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Is it already on sale? Oh, no, I was joking, you know. Oh, it's listed it's like, on Steam, but planned release date in the year 30XX, probably. All right. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Will Steam oh, this, survive yeah, look, that long? Look, looking at it, this definitely looks more like a Mega Man Zero game, actually, from the style it's in. But yeah, if you enjoy Mega Man, you will enjoy this game. Excellent. All right. Let's go back to Brother Jaybird. Now, you talked a little bit about this on our last episode, because we were talking Mario, um, but... Go ahead and tell us about your number two gaming experience of the year. My number two game experience of the year was actually a very old game with a very new twist. Um, Super Mario 64 Online, which is a project by um, ROM hackers to add basically multiplayer functionality to the original Super Mario 64, which if you've ever played it or know enough about it, you would recognize as a naturally one-player game. What um, 64 Online allows you to do is it allows you to take multiple game, multiple um, copies of 60 Mar- uh, 64 and then sync them all together so that uh, each game's individual character is running around in a shared in a shared environment with other characters. And that, that gets uh, pretty fun and chaotic, depending on how many people you can play. Now, I don't recall the absolute maximum limit of people. I want to say in the ballpark of about maybe two dozen people uh, could be Jeez. on a game. Or at, le- at least one dozen, I know, could be on the game. Um, I don't recall the upper limit. But we played... Uh, I played this year with... Uh, some other members of the den uh, a three player game that was pretty fun and we, and we couldn't get a lot more ac- activity on it but we did get some people watching the streams which was always pretty nice wow what am I chopped liver I, I was said... one of those three people <laughs> <laughs> I said people from the den you were included but if you'd okay. like to share your experience <laughs> now that you've outed yourself I mean, it was my first experience playing Mario 64, and I guess I can shamelessly plug for people to go listen to the 3D Mario episode to hear more about it. <laughs> and how you bullied me. Yes. Yes, I did. Because I wanted to keep the experience fresh, but I also wanted to direct your activity in certain ways. So I, I, I shamelessly misled you. Um, but this is a game with, an, with a great deal of potential, depending on uh, who you play with and how you play it. Uh, it, to a certain extent, it's like um, special items with friends. It's a very distinct kind of 
it's a very distinct kind of experience if you do it one player, but it's a, a fundamentally transformed experience if you bring a lot of others in. Uh, you can do it uh, cooperatively, you can do it competitively, you can do it um, in all sorts of ways. So I was uh, really excited. I was really excited to have uh, basically a return to this game with effectively new, <laughs> new content um, in, a, in a game that I hadn't played since I was, gosh, in early high school. Did you drop platinum? No, nope, we're still here. All right, well, uh, that, that that's that's the spiel. I can I can converse <laughs> about it for a little bit, but you know most what everybody most everybody's already heard me talk about it on the uh, Super Mario on the Super Mario episode we all just did. So, if you are interested in more hearing more about what Brother Jaybird has just been speaking of, go to your favorite podcast player, which you're probably listening to right now, and go back one episode. <laughs> just one, not two, not three. Just one, just one. I've even got timestamps in there, so you can uh, hear all of our discussion on uh, Super Mario 64, and uh, he'll be in there talking about the online version and some of the fun that everybody's had with that. Ooh, tis tis the night for some uh, little audio glitches here and there. Sorry about all you people at home, but uh, you probably won't even hear it because it'll all get not there magically. (laughs) (laughs) It'll all be not there expediently. Exactly. Immediately. Uh, speaking of immediately, we're going to immediately move uh, back to our last person that needs to talk about their game number two. So, Blue Star, tell us about your uh, second best gaming experience of the year. So, my second best gaming experience of the year is actually Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, and so, it's one that released last year, and it was I, I was a little slow getting into it, uh, partially because I didn't have a Switch when it released uh partially because uh well just life gets in the way um this is actually one of my first fire emblem experiences uh i did play awakening a little bit before actually purchasing this for the switch in gosh i think it was may of this year um but it was a lot of fun. I have a lot of hours in Pokemon Conquest, which is a very similar gameplay style. So, you know, moving over to Fire Emblem was pretty easy for me. And Three Houses is a very, very, very pretty game. Um, the the world building is absolutely phenomenal. The characters are great and their interactions feel so incredibly real. Um, it's actually a game that is split into three, four, four technically different routes that you can actually play through the story. And depending on which route you pick, you actually get different roles, sorry, different, different lore from the world. Uh, so it's, it's really cool how the same game can be such a vastly different experience depending on your playthrough. Um, so I've done one and three quarters of a playthrough. Uh, so I started off with the Golden Deer route, and I played through that with my brother. Yeah, Golden Deer! <laughs> <laughs> That's the first route I did, too. I love that route. <laughs> and then after that, I started uh, Blue Lions route by myself. Uh, so I actually like the Blue Lions route a little bit more, but um, that's that's just me. So how long does it take to play through a route? 
um, for how long did it take you? Yeah, it's it's a good probably. I want to say uh, it's probably fifty or sixty hours for a route. Okay, um, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty lengthy. I remember. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's yeah. It's a very very dense game. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, there are side chapters that you can do in your time off because you actually play as a professor at a very Hogwarts-like academy, um, and it's it's just a really cool setting. But it it's very dense, and you know each each playthrough is a little bit different. So there's there's a ton of time that you can sink into the game, and there's a ton of time that I have yet to sink into the game. Angus, how far did when you I, get? Um, unfortunately, I'm still not done with my first playthrough, but I played on hard. Cla- I played on hard classic when doing the Golden Eagle route, and I I just enjoy doing the classic mode because I kind of like having to think a little and trying to you know strategize a bit. Oh yeah, but, um, is the way to go. Yeah, permadeath. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, if pretty... anybody plays on casual, you know, I'm not you know I'm not trying to dog them or whatever by saying that. I just personally, I just prefer the classic setting because you know i kind of like that you have to strategize a little bit more um but um when i played the game i got about 45 hours in i'm still in the middle of that playthrough like i said i just got distracted by other stuff but i ended up getting about 45 hours and i had only just gotten to the uh second part or like the second half of the game where there's a bit of a time jump after certain events play out and i've and i've rejoined up with all of the golden house students who are now adults and they've gone off and done their own things you know because story events happen i won't go into any details about it but basically everybody gets separated after a certain event uh, at the end of part one of the game and you eventually reunite with them and you're now trying to you know like in typical fire emblem fashion go up against the big evil uh empire that's trying to take over but i remember having a pretty good time with the game and this is one of those games where it does have a calendar system to it but it's a uh, like a type of calendar system that i prefer where you have specific days where you can go out and do stuff but you have like a number of points you can use for interactions or for um, events and stuff like that. I personally prefer that kind of setup, which is a four-calendar system, which is why I enjoy stuff like uh, Trails of Cold Steel a lot. I prefer that a lot more than like the day-by-day thing like you have to do in Persona. But anyway, I remember really liking <laughs> from my time with um, uh, Three Houses because I enjoy you know getting to interact with the class members of the golden deer house there's a lot of really good character interaction and uh like blue said there's a lot of really good world building which is something that i think fire emblem games are usually pretty good about doing anyway but i feel like three houses they really kind of step their game up and i think what also kind of helps with that too is that there is a lot of voice acting in the game i think pretty much every bit of dialogue is fully voiced which is you know a nice addition that they put that in there but even without that there's just some like genuinely nice writing for some of the characters i do like some of the backstories you get to learn about from certain characters like one of my favorites from the blue house or from sorry not blue house uh, from the golden deer house was uh marianne i enjoyed her marianne, story marianne is too precious for this world uh <laughs> and every she, she deserves everyone's love <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I liked how you know at first i thought when i met her like in the beginning of the game like she was just going to be that timid student that didn't really you know wasn't very outgoing and she just you know kind of stuck to herself but then it was interesting when doing seeing some of the interactions and the um support conversations where when anybody happened to bring up her i think it's her adopted father or her former family that she just immediately goes from being very passive to just like i have no connections to that 
part of my family. I do not want to talk about that. Like, she just shuts people down so fast. It's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like, oh, there's more to this character than, you know, meets the eye at first. There is more to the character if you finish the game. Ah. <laughs> hey, I'm not Jaybird. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... You know, like, and like, even though I haven't unfortunately finished it, I like I said, I did really enjoy a lot of the character interactions, the world building. Gameplay is really fun. I, I really enjoy how they handle character building with the classes and everything and how you can uh, basically tune a student or a faculty member or, what, or any other character you recruit towards a specific route. Like, mm-hmm. um, one, of my char- one of the characters that I enjoy using, and I just love to have his personality and how over-the-top he is, is Lawrence. Uh. I ended up making him more of a... It, the game kind of starts him off as being a spear user, but he also can use magic. Well, instead of going towards the magic route, like the game sort of recommended a bit, I decided to make him more of a cavalier unit so he can ride on a horse and you know travel great distance. And he actually does pretty well in that role, too. And I, I enjoy that the game lets you... Um, you know, has that flexibility yeah. for character building, depending on what you want to do with somebody. Or like, if you look at their stats and you're like, okay, well, you seem a little more geared towards physical, but you have what looks like you could also be a really good mage or a good like support unit. So maybe I'll build up your um, healing abilities a bit too. And then we'll see if we can get something good for you. So if you know, you needed a pinch, you can have them quickly whip out a heal spell or something. Yeah. Also, as you get later in the game, you start to unlock more versatile classes. So um, I believe it is a Dark Knight that is a rider that can use magic. Um, so it does eventually pay off to sort of invest in both of those. Um, Lawrence is a character that makes me roll my eyes, but that's okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> see, he, see, he reminded me a lot of Prince Charmels from Dragon Quest Eight. Yes. And I, I, I unironically like Charmels because I like how over the top he is. But unlike Charmels, Lawrence is actually a decent character. And even though he's very full of himself and, you know, his status in the Lester Alliance, he does have some good interactions with people. And you can see that he does genuinely care about people, unlike a certain uh, charmless prince who just will abandon everybody at the, the drop of a hat. <laughs> Damien, please. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it's really cool, and it's it's not just the Golden Deer class that has those kind of great character interactions. It's all of them, and every single one, every single character is very developed and very, uh, just very real and very relatable. It feels like so. It's 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 a very cool cast, and getting to know all of them is it's really a treat. It's also fun in the first part of the game because as you you know, sort of do things as a professor. One of the things that you can do is you can recruit students from other houses to your house. And it's funny because eventually it gets to the point where everybody is in your house and there's like one student in each of the other houses. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I've seen, um, there was one meme image I saw of something like that, where it's um, one of the other teachers like, okay, class, today we're going to be talking about the history of the, uh, the history of blah, 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 blah. We're doing a joint class today since where there's so few of you. It turns around. It's only like, um, oh, God. what? Are, it was the the main girl from the Red it was House. Probab- it was probably Edelgard, Hubert, Dimitri, and Didu. Yep, so, yep, that's so- all it was. It was it's just <laughs> the four of them sitting in a class because they're the only four that aren't in your house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but 
You know, I had a heck of a time getting some of the students to uh, join my class um, or the Golden Deer House in my playthrough. Like, it wasn't until I got to the end of part one almost that I was able to start recruiting a few characters. And even then, it was only like five other students, like three from the um, the blue house and then two from the red house. Like, yeah, it, it really I, the stat gains must be or you must have to have particular stat levels to get yes, them to join you. You do. So for skill levels, uh, whenever you go to a character, it will they will say that they are interested in a particular stat and a particular skill. Um, the stat levels are usually not that bit large of a barrier. Um, but for a character that, say, is interested in the axe skill, Byleth is not really an axe user. Uh because Byleth is way overpowered with a sword for absolutely no reason. But, so, so because Byleth absolutely never uses an axe, because it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't... Their skill level doesn't usually raise itself on its own. You have to actually take the time and effort to go train under other faculty members to get your skills up in order to recruit most of the students. Yeah. That's why I ended up having to do with a lot of the like the free days that the game gives you. Like I, I had to do that sort of stuff because there were just some characters that I really wanted to recruit, but the game just will not let you do it unless you have a certain criteria met. Like I tried to keep recruiting uh, Dorothea throughout the whole my whole uh, first part of the game, and it wasn't until like the just before the very last uh, battle of um, part one that I was finally able to recruit her because whatever stats or required for her, it was finally like, oh, hey, look, you met the threshold. Congratulations. <laughs> like, oh my god, that took forever. <laughs> and then meanwhile, you have a character, um, I forget his name, unfortunately, from the Blue House. He's kind of the the aloof swordsman kind of guy. He always is focused on training. Oh, Felix. Felix, thank you. I know like, all I of would... the names. It's a problem, but uh, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, I'm glad you remember him. But, um, uh, but yeah, Felix, he was a character that I was able to recruit pretty early on because, you know, like you say, Bylas is really good with swords and the other requirements that he needed to be recruited, you know, they just kind of naturally came to the character. But there's some that you do have to kind of go out of your way for. And at least if you do, if you are flexible and you want to try and build Byleth a different way, um, you know, like we were talking about the character um, flexibility of the classes and stuff, at least that way, depending on which way you go, you will always have some other recruits that you can try and get from the other houses. So it's not like, you know, on a playthrough, like you're not going to recruit anybody else unless you choose not to. You know, you always have a chance to at least get a few of the, a few of the other uh, characters. It is also possible to recruit every single character to your house on your first playthrough. It's difficult, but you can do it with the right guides and uh, information. It gets easier if you beat your first playthrough and then start a new game plus, because then you uh, you uh, you unlock what's what they call the journal in game. But essentially, what it allows you to do is it allows you to spend renown points to unlock certain skill levels and support levels for characters um or sorry i guess it's mostly just for byleth uh but the first one of the first things that is really good to do is to uh upgrade your professor level because when you're a good professor by fishing a lot because that correlates somehow uh you get more activity <laughs> points and more battle points so you can do more things with the days that you have in the game oh sure do it the easy way with New Game Plus. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's what it's there for. That's what it's there for. <laughs> oh, I, I 100% <laughs> agree. If a game has a new game plus, abuse it. I did my time, man. This game, <laughs> this game is designed for six playthroughs. Sorry, it's actually designed for it's designed for at least six playthroughs. But one of the routes has two branching paths at the end, so it can potentially be eight, depending on if you want to play as both male and female Byleth because they have different support conversations with different characters. Yeah, I remember um oh, oh his his name is Twinkie on the den. He was he had mentioned at one point that he had when he was playing three houses that there was the split path that you could do. And I had just started up the game when he mentioned it and I'm just like, hey, which path is this on? It's just so I have a heads up for, you know. I didn't I didn't want him telling me spoilers. I just wanted to know, you know, which route that the split was on, just in case it was on the Golden Deer House, since that's the one I went with. And he's like, No, I don't know if I should tell you. I'm like, dude, just let me know. I'm not. I don't care if like if it's on one pet route or another. If I'm on the right one or not, I just at least want to know where it's at. I finally was able to get the information out of him after asking like twenty times. <laughs> <laughs> what what's your total playtime so far, Blue? Since you've done um, a playthrough and three quarters of one, you said. Oh goodness, uh, it's probably. It's probably approaching 100 hours, but there may or may not have been an incident where I overwrited a save file with 40 hours and had to start over. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so that that's how I recruited all the students on the first playthrough on the first first playthrough in heavy air quotes, because I had done the entirety of the first part until then. That's too bad, but I, at least you're yeah, able to make up for it. <laughs> I have bad history with accidentally overwriting save files. It's a bad time. My brother hates me for it. <laughs> <laughs> have you decided, uh, have you played any other games since then, since you got into it, or have you thought about checking out some of the other games since you enjoyed Three Houses, or like what, you, what you're I, thinking right now with it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I liked Awakening, what I played of it. I think I got to a point where it was kind of in between story arcs within the game, and that was when I had put it down. So it's something that I could potentially pick up again. I want to say that my brother has fates, but I don't know 100%. So it's something that I would totally pick up if I had the time to do so, but finding time is... Everybody keeps talking about this backlog, and I'm starting to feel it more and more and more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you real quick um, while I'm thinking about it that if you've enjoyed Three Houses, you might actually really like um, Fire Emblem Echoes uh, for the 3DS. Like, I I had played some of the other Fire Emblem games before I played that one, and they were okay, but they just really didn't do it for me. But when I played um, Fire Emblem Echoes, that game really clicked, and I, that that's what really made me a Fire Emblem fan after that. Like, and just from the way that you've talked about how you, what stuff you've liked in um, Fire Emblem Three Houses, you'll probably like the same sort of stuff that's in uh, Fire Emblem Echoes, because I find that a lot of the stuff that I like in Echoes was also present in Three Houses, and it, it, it felt like a good... I mean, there are going to be some differences with the gameplay and stuff like that, but Echoes is a pretty good time, and if you're thinking about checking out more of the series, I'd say try that one out next, if you can. All right, Assuming I'll your backlog isn't too big. <laughs> We'll see. I'll get in. I'll, I'll I'll look into it. I've got like eight games going right now that I really should finish some of them. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
well, there's just another one to think about then, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, you're thinking of what to play next. Uh, we will slide on over to a very fun game, at least apparently. I, I know this one's on my, this will be jumping to the top of my uh, backlog pretty soon. I know I got some Amazon money today and I keep thinking, I'm like, man, if I put this gift card on my Amazon account, my wife will spend it within a week or two. Not even a problem. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should just buy this now, even though I won't get to it for a few months. But Burian, tell us about your interesting game. Uh, and it is a 2020 release that 2020, you've enjoyed baby. this year. Yeah, about time. Yay. All right. So I know some of you may like Dragon Quest. What? That game again? <laughs> Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Nope. <laughs> so my 2020 game is... The newest is Dragon Quest, the one with all the grind, with all the grinding in it. You know, the one everyone always complains is too much grinding. <laughs> if you, yeah, I mean, Some I put kind of twenty argument. hours into Dragon Quest Eleven, so <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to get that comment in real quick. <laughs> so this game is the newest release in the long-running series Yakuza. It is known in the West as Yakuza Like a Dragon, even though for some reason they called it Yakuza Seven in Japan. It's kind of a brand new uh, kind of take on the previous series because from Yakuza 0 through Yakuza 6, the main protagonist is Kazuma Kiryu, a former Yakuza who served time and kind of worked through his own personal uh, story and discovery of him as a person. And he got his ending in Yakuza 6. So in Yakuza 7, it kind of takes place in the same world, in the same area, sort of, as the other games going on currently. And, you know, I'll get to that in a bit. But first and foremost, it's a Yakuza game, but it's an RPG to where all of the previous games have been more of uh, action adventure. So you get into a battle, you're fighting the guys in real time. And, uh, you know, each, you know, all those games had their own mechanics, but we're going to focus on this to where it is a turn-based RPG. And I believe it was the director of the game said, I want to make a Dragon Quest game, but we're going to make it a Yakuza game. <laughs> so the main character, uh, Ichiban Kasuka, is a hardcore Dragon Quest fan. And he lets you know it throughout the entire game. I am currently 14 of the 15 chapters through the game. In fact, I got to the last chapter right before having to pause it to come up here to do the podcast. Um, I'm like 75 hours into the game, and I am having an absolute blast with this game. Normally in, you know, most RPGs, it's always, hey, you know, this person is the chosen one, and they happen to be like, you know, 17-year-old kid or, you know, a, a whole cast of really, really young people. I am not a really, really young person. I am in my mid-30s, so the cast of characters here kind of hit closer to home because they're all about my age or older. I mean, we've got Yaku, we've got in the Yakuza game, we've got Ichiban Kasuka. He is like 42, and he is the main protagonist. You've got um, the Hobo Nanba. Woo-woo, 42-year-olds, yeah. Yeah, right, right? And it's just like, it's, it's really unheard of in RPGs to have characters over like 25 to 30. Like, sometimes you'll get that one character that's like, the old and wise character of, of like all of your entire cast whereas in Yakuza Like a Dragon everybody's old yeah and especially JRPGs like this you never yeah. see that 
you never ever see it so it's a it's a, it's it's nice to see this trope kind of turned on its head because as the story goes at the beginning of the game it is 1999 and it is about to be the new year and you're introduced to Ichiban Kasuka the main character each so Ichiban is Japanese by the way for number one and that joke is made several times throughout the game because everybody goes Ichiban what kind of name is that and he's just like yeah yeah I know I know um, but within the first hour or two of the game so it's not too spoilery since this game is literally only like five weeks old it's only been up since the 10th of last month I've been playing it every day for I bought it about yesterday a month ago so i've been playing it for about a month almost a month and he gets put into prison in uh, basically on the new year so i think it's 2001 actually so 2000 to 2001 uh, anyways he gets out of jail 19 years later and it is 2019 in the 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 game world and that's where it kind of starts to open up um you go to jail for your family patriarch who asks you to confess to a murder that one of one of his other officers did. And you as a loyal member of the Yakuza family goes, yes, I'll do that. Anything for the family. He does it. He gets out and he has been absolutely betrayed. So thus begins his journey for redemption on, hey, why I was super loyal to you. Why did you betray me? And along the way, you come across... Your main cast of characters, you've got Adachi, the former police chief who has been busted down to a driving instructor because he tried to implicate the police commissioner in a corruption scandal. And the police, co the police commissioner basically slapped him down. So he wants his revenge. You have Nanba who at the beginning of the game you don't know his motives and I don't I kind of don't want to say them because the game is new enough that you should go and play and find out but he joins you um for the in the party he's basically your party medic as well like right off right out the bat cuz he was a former nurse who is a hobo living in uh Ijincho, the the city that take that most of the game takes place in and you have your final member, your final main cast member, um, Saeko, who is a club hostess at one of uh, the major NPCs that you come across later in the game, who joins your party for story reasons that you should play to find out. Um, these are all fantastically written characters. Uh, I know a lot of people enjoy playing um, games in Japanese if they are given. Uh, the studio that did this, uh, Ryu Go, what is it, Ryu Gotoku, something like that. They are they do fantastic dramas. Like if you've played any of the previous Yakuza games, they are like serious crime dramas, and they are very well written with very good characters. Um, so I guess I don't want to go too much more in on the story outside of like the first couple of chapters of the game. But eventually you all group up and you, you know, you uh, you work your way through the rest of the game. Um, there's this really interesting feature that they included into the game, which um, I don't really see a lot of RPGs do. They kind of have um, they might have a side quest or two dedicated to it, but each character they have they have a bond system for 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 the characters and with the bond system as you complete battles you earn bond points and once a bond point fills the bar for the character you go to the home base and you talk to that character 
and you get um, a story cutscene to where you talk it back and forth and you kind of get closer and closer with each of the characters as they each have their own little story arc. And as you do this, it does this great little thing of, hey, when they're not in the active party, they gain more experience, which is always nice to have because later on in the game, you'll get more characters. And, you know, when characters are swapped out of the party, some games, everybody gets the same amount of experience. Other games, the characters not in the active party get zero experience. In this game, if their bond level is at zero and they are not in the game, they get a reduced amount of experience. But um, another great thing about this game is uh, it has a lot of great tongue-in-cheek humor. Um, it's got a lot of funny sub-stories. There's usually about 40 or 50 different little uh, sub-stories that you can do in the game that are completely independent of the main story. And with these, you can engage in them or you can completely skip over them. They're completely optional, but they gain you extra stuff throughout uh, the game. Like, you know, you do this one, you get... Uh, you get you know, a good item, or you do this one and you get some money. Um, so this game has a summoning system, and they do it in the form of something called the Pound Mates. And this is done through one of the sub-stories of uh, Adachi picks up a flyer on the road, and he sees Pound Mates, and he thinks, oh, this is like a hostess club thing. They're going to come and give me a good time. So he gives it a call. Yeah, he gives it a call, and uh, this guy named Gary Buster Holmes shows up. And he is like this baritone voice man who is just like, oh, yeah, you here for the pound, mates? And they introduce the, uh, the summoning system through that. So as you progress through the game, you'll earn these pound mates, and you'll also earn them through different sub-stories. But they, they operate a little bit differently, because usually, you know, with summon in a JRPG, you, you use MP to do a summon. Now, in this, it's like you summon them with your cell phone because you're calling them via your cell phone, but they cost money. So you actually have to have currency to summon them. And when you summon them, um, they all can have different costs. One can be a th one could be like a thousand gold or a thousand yen. Another one could be like ten thousand. One could be fifty. They go as high as a million to 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 uh, summon. But they also have a cooldown after you use them. So once you use them, they have like a three to five round, three to five battle cooldown. So you'll have to fight, you know, x amount of random battles to be able to use them again. But um, I guess the real talking point of this game is all of the different Dragon Quest parallels that this game has. So first and foremost, the game has a job system, which I think is one of the features of the game that they advertise on the back of the box. And every character can be a certain amount or, you know, different amount of classes. Um, unfortunately, with this game, there are gender-locked jobs. So, like, the female characters have jobs that only they can be, and then the male characters have jobs that only they can be, which is kind of a bummer because I would love to see Ichiban run around as an idol or uh, have, uh, like, uh, Adachi run around as, like, a matriarch. But, um, yeah, you, you do all of this through a... Uh, I guess what what would be the parallel here? That you you go to like a job center there, and you talk to one of the NPCs to like change. an unemployment place. Yeah, like an unemployment place. You go there and you go, "Hey, I want to change my job," and you can you know change your job at any time. And thankfully for this, unlike in um, a couple of the Dragon Quest games, when you change your job. It doesn't uh, revert it back to zero because while you have your levels for each character, each job has a rank and the ranks go from one to ninety nine. But there are, of course, uh, qualifications to getting specific jobs like 
you have to be level 25, or uh, this character has to have a bond of level 3 with Ichiban to be able to access it. But uh, once you gain the ability to be a class, you can freely swap between them, doesn't cost anything, and as soon as you switch back, um, the ranks stay the same. So you never really lose anything. And the, the added bonus to it is some of the abilities that you learn from some classes will stick with you even if you change to another job class. And um, some so, of... Uh, Dragon Quest 3DS style, some of them do, some of them don't? Yeah, some of them do, some of them don't. Uh, I, have one of, I have one of them with Namba, the nurse... I made him a chef for a little while, and he picked up this. Uh, he picked up this ability called Peppermill Blast, to where he pulls out a giant peppermill, <laughs> whacks the guy across the head, and he, when he falls to the ground, he grinds pepper over him to do extra damage. And that was from the chef class. And I've made him a fortune teller at this point. And for whatever reason, that was one of the abilities that he retained was that was that peppermill <laughs> attack. So, it's it's a good physical attack because he is uh, Namba is like one of the physically weakest characters out of all of the ones that you get so nice but the, um, the classes yeah go ahead oh i was gonna say one of the funniest things that i keep hearing is why the combat is turn-based in this game like there's an in-game reason for it yes and the in-game reason which is told through a um in-game cutscene because they're it's weird sometimes they'll have like beautifully animated cinematics and then other times it'll just use the in-game engine to do a small cutscene or really does that like 90 percent of the time but yeah you're you you adachi namba are walking along and ichiban is such a hardcore dragon quest fan that he doesn't see um like combat as regular like a regular fist fight of kind of a real-time thing he sees it as turn-based and everybody else just kind of plays along. They're just like, all right, Casca, whatever you say, you know. Because one of the first battles you get when you ha finally have a party is like a couple of like businessmen. And all of a sudden, like they transform into like these big, like bulbousy, like, like bodyguard looking guys. And Ichiban's like, hey, did you guys see that? They just changed. And they're like, uh, yeah, sure, sure thing, buddy. <laughs> he's just like he's just like in video game mode all of the time so that is the reason more or less why everything is tur in in turn-based mode nice i heard a lot of the uh character or the, a lot of the enemies that you fight are puns yes 100 percent um nice. i've got i've got most of the bestiary complete at this point i think i'm only missing like 10 or 15 enemies but mm -hmm. i would love to know what some of these well, some of these enemies are called in Japanese because one that I just came across is a very ugly-looking clown that is juggling, and his name is just Juggalo, <laughs> like Juggle hyphen O. And I'm like, all right, I got, I would like to know what this is, what, what what pun they gave this in Japan because I I clearly get that here. But I mean, even the way that they introduce the bestiary in this game is a Pokemon ripoff. You run into a professor on the street, and he goes, "Hey, I need help with cataloging the the uh, the just the weirdos that that roam the streets here." And he he, he takes you to his office, and he explains what he wants you to do. He's like, um, "I call them Sujimon, and uh, I need you to log them all." And he makes you go through the whole thing where, "Hey, choose one of these guys." And three, three shady-looking guys walk out. One is in a red suit, one is in a blue suit, one is in a green suit. <laughs> and then you have to fight them. 
and you know they get logged into your Sujudex, and he goes, "Yeah, get out there and and log them all," and sends you on your way. And that's how they introduced the bestiary in this game. It was honestly one of I was not expecting that uh, when I was playing it because I got the game a, a couple of days after it came out. So mm-hmm. I've not seen anything on the game. Everything I know about this game is what I have personally experienced. That's really cool. Oh, two more things is you like mini medals? They got mini medals in uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. They're just called Tojo Clan Crests instead. You find them ran- you find them randomly throughout the street and off of enemies, and you can go and you can trade them in to a guy who collects the Tojo clan crests, and you can get items and weapons and even summons off of him. Um, but the really the really cool thing about this is while it is a new Yakuza game, like I said, it's a spinoff from the previous seven games who are all under one protagonist. Uh, this game still operates within that game world. So if you have played any of the previous games, you are going to notice references left and right and left and right. Like some of the sub stories, some of the story, you will see characters and you go, hey, I know that guy from this game when he did this. And that's what makes it really cool. Like if you're new, no big deal if you don't notice any of it. But if you are already a pretty big fan, you you get treated to an extra layer of uh, stuff that, you know, you wouldn't get otherwise. But um, nice. Yeah, the, uh, for those of you out there, this game is what is it? Like you said, it's all of a month old. It you is. Can get the, it's five the weeks old. Yeah, the PlayStation Four version. I think since Black Friday has been pretty much thirty-five dollars anywhere. Yeah, it's a, if hey, it's it's forty dollars at Target right now. I was just there yesterday and I saw it on sale. Mm-hmm. I I bought it on a whim. I was gonna wait because I wasn't. I honestly was not sure about this game. Because I was just like, well, I, I really like the Yakuza games. I don't know about this in RPG form, which I like RPGs and I like Yakuza. And I didn't know how I was going to intersect what, with me well or not. So I was going to hold off until it got cheaper. And a friend goes, hey, it's pretty good. And I walked into a Walmart and they had it. They had the Steelcase Day One Edition or whatever. And it was like 15 bucks off. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And here I am a month later, 75 hours later, and <laughs> it, this has easily been my 2020 game of the year. It has been so – and the story is so good, and I I can't say with a lot of RPGs, I love all of the characters. They are all very well done. There's not one character where I just go, eh, screw this guy. I don't like him. I like the entire cast. Nice. Brewery and can't say no to a steelbook unless it says Persona on it. This is true. <laughs> the speaking of that, Persona Five Royal. Him and I have that in common. That's very for cheap. Sure. <laughs> you can't. You can't make me play Persona. I played Persona Two, and uh, that's where my Persona starts and stops. Now that's very different than Persona Three through Five. <laughs> have you played Persona Three yet, Platty? I don't think so. <laughs> I have not, but I, I have heard definitely one and two are much different games. All right, we got to stop talking about this. We got to stop talking about these games. I'm starting to be that as out. it may. <laughs> let me let me sell you on. Uh, let me sell you on Yakuza a little bit more. Okay. So, um, if you buy the Day One Edition, or I, th- I think Day it even Ichi comes on, right? Huh. Day yeah is day it, is, ichi day ichi it's just called the day ichi edition because <laughs> ichi is one is one yeah um, I did a side quest where I found uh, a bunch of lost cats throughout the city and at the end of that I earned a summon for Robson the cat and I go this is probably going to be dumb so I 
used him in a battle. Every time you get a new pound mate, the first summon is free. So it's like, all right, let's see what this guy's about. So I used him in a random, like, nothing battle that I was going to have no issues with. Out comes Robson, and he transforms into a giant tiger and, and, and does several thousands worth of damage to the enemies. And I'm like, all right, okay, I'm sold. The name of his attack? The Super Kitty Punch. <laughs> Yakuza humor is some of the best humor. It really is. Um, I would just say you have to go and experience a lot of it for yourself. Oh, they even have Puff Puff in this game. Although oh, I they, heard about this. Although they call it Honk Honk. Yes, I was going to say, I thought I saw an image where something called Honk Honk was from. I didn't it's know it was from that game, though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Honk Honk girls, and there's one Honk Honk guy. Of course there is. You just need the Hong Kong dad. At least, at least <laughs> out in like the Dragon desert town. Three. At least it goes well, both ways, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you just kind of search them out throughout the game world, and uh, you pay them money, and they up. So you've got kind of a character wheel of, of different stats that only Ichiban has, and it's stuff like passion, confidence, charisma, kindness, intelligence. And you do stuff, you do stuff, uh, complete mini games, um, complete sub stories, do storyline quest stuff, and you get points that will increase these. And the honk honk girls and guy, when you find them, because they randomly, um, they randomly spawn in set places. So they're, they might be there, they might not. And you pay them money and they'll just up your stats. And you can only do it like once, one at a time. So you have to cycle them to to spawn again, so you can uh, get them to up your stats some more. Nice. Oh, I heard but, the uh, the day Ichi edition also got you a uh, full like knight suit of armor. Yes, that is um, one of the like eight costumes that Ichiban gets because ev- everybody else gets a couple like. Um, Adachi and Nanba, like all the all the male characters get like a, a Majima suit that you could wear. So you got the eye patch, you got that. Um, Saeko gets a, a costume from a Yakuza character from another game. But yeah, the uh, you get a you get a suit of armor, and um, one of the classes that Ichiban has is the hero class. So I use that, and I'm the hero class because I'm the hero, and he uses a bat. Of course. Because that's nice. his sword. He's like Earthbound. <laughs> yeah, and you can upgrade. You know, there's a there's a whole upgrade system to the game, so you get materials and upgrade your weapons and stuff like that. So there's a whole lot to this game, and um, there's a lot to do. And you could skip all of it if you wanted to, but I would say that you're worse for the wear for skipping a lot of the uh, side content because it really brings out the full uh, breadth of the game to me. <laughs> because the, the main story is this, is this hard crime drama. And then you go and you do one of the side stories of, oh, I have to get milk for this man baby who, is, who likes to act like uh, a giant baby. Or, oh, I have to ha- or I have to help this former Korean movie star reboot his career. It's just great stuff like that. Um, everything's been great about this game. I really don't have a bad thing. To, well, no, I have one bad thing to say about this game, and that's um, since Ichi treats the uh, like battles like turn-based battles, your enemies are constantly moving around the field. Like no one is just kind of standing there waiting for you to hit them. the The bad guys are always moving. You're also always moving. You're kind of like pacing around. So when you have attacks that hit multiple enemies. 
sometimes I'll find myself waiting to actually do the attack for enemies to line up so I can hit more than like one of them at a time. Uh, but that's about the one bad thing I have to say about the game. <clears throat> uh, you know, everything's got to have a little, yeah, yeah, a little room for improvement. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely their first time doing an RPG like this, and I hope they continue. I hope we get more of uh, Ichi Ichiban Kasuga because he has been a great, <laughs> great character. And I mean, I haven't even beaten the game yet. After we get done with this podcast, I'm gonna walk back downstairs, boot the game back up into the last chapter. And watch the ending because um, I am kind I've been kind of thinking in the back of my mind what like right now I've been trying to figure out like what is the end game what is the what's the big bad evil guy trying to do kind of thing mm-hmm. but uh yeah um all right sounds good I don't know I don't know how much more I can <laughs> I could probably go on about it a little bit longer but I think I've been going on for like 15 minutes now well, we'll say you definitely right. make me want to check out the game it was one that I was kind of interested in when it was first revealed it was going to be like a turn-based rpg and stuff and kind of a different take on the yakuza games but having never played them i wasn't really sure it would be something up up my alley but hearing you describe it it sounds like i would enjoy this game but i'd also enjoy the other yakuza games because they just seem so over the top and i i kind of like over the top weird humor so and like i say that all of the over the top weird humor only comes from the side content because if you stick to the main story you're gonna get a nice hard crime drama and it's they're always well written. I've played a couple of the Yakuza games, not all of them. I've got them all. They're, it's kind of a thing of, I got this game and I started playing it because it was, like I said, it was suggested to me. Um, I originally, like when it was first announced, I was just kind of like, oh, huh, cool, a new one. And then, like, people, I think I had two or three friends go, hey, did you hear? The, uh, the main character's favorite thing is Dragon Quest. And I was just like, Oh, huh. Okay. And then I read about, oh, the director wanted to make a Dragon Quest game, so he made this. This is this is what his take on a Dragon Quest game is. So it's it's real good stuff. Nice. Yeah, for yeah, been good things. So Yeah, I've been following this one for over a year because um Yakuza is something that a lot of the editors at RP Gamer love. And uh, there was even a couple of them that downloaded the Japanese demo. So like back in January of 2020 or maybe February that I was hearing their impressions of the Japanese demo on their PS4s that they were playing and the summons and everything. So, I mean, they couldn't understand anything, but they were like, we're just having fun. We're going around summoning crayfish and whatever. Oh, so a, a really neat thing that they did with this game, like most of the previous Yakuza games are. Japanese only with subtitles. So mm-hmm. it's like if you don't, if you like English audio, you may have a little issue with those. In this game, what they did was it's got dual audio. So you can play it in Japanese and it's got an English translation. But the neat little kind of caveat here is you want the English. So they, they localized the English side of it. So if you play the Japanese uh, audio with the English subtitles, it's more of a direct translation. So it's going to be like a touch different than the English, sub, the English audio with the English subtitles. So they completely reworked. So it's almost like one and a half scripts, whereas everything is mostly the same, but it gets the English side gets a lot more localization to not make it as i guess strange to new players but if you're mm-hmm. into the whole i want a direct japanese translation the japanese audio with the english subtitles is absolutely the way to go nice all right from a uh, really serious with a uh, silly parts game 
to uh, something that sounds like it might be all silly. Brother Jaybird, you still with so, us? Yeah, I'm here. What's I'm your here. number one game? So my number one game for the 2020 year, uh, for the year 2020 is, in fact, again, not a 2020 release. Uh, <laughs> I have lots of I have lots of old games to catch up on. Um, but the one I'm talking about today is Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is Mario's first foray into turn-based strategy, of all things. Not a, not a genre the admittedly quite prolific Mario series has touched before. And not, not just um, a new uh, genre for Mario, but a crossover genre for Mario. Because this one, as the title indicates, features the uh, infamous Rabbids of Ubisoft fame. And now, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Rabbids were originally enemy characters from the Rayman game series, uh, who took on a bit of a life of their own uh, from popularity and are known for uh, wacky, crude humor. Um which they, while not the full expression of something in their home series for this uh, Nintendo crossover, they, they do have quite a lot of, if you, know, if you pay close attention. Um, so the premise of this game is literally interdimensional, in which so, uh, some girl is, who, who's featured in the intro but not actually named, uh, is inventing a new... Um, bit of technology that combines things and this technology falls into the hands of the rabbits who arrive in her room in their time traveling washing machine now you heard me you heard me uh, <laughs> so the rabbits get a hold of this and it come and this uh, fusion technology uh, fuses itself go figure to one of the rabbits and the rabbits get and in the chaos that the rabbits bring with them wherever they go the time traveling washing machine activates again and sucks and through i believe uh con confluence with the fusion technology drags them into the world of super mario so you know mario and company are just having a good old time and all of a sudden nightmares start falling from the sky and this uh, fusion rabbit whose whose name escapes me not Beepo um, this fusion rabbit's uh, technology has been firing off in all directions and combining things that were never meant to be combined and creates this uh, mixed up world to go in and so the basic premise of the game is Mario and company have to set right what once went, once went, uh, once went wrong uh, but they are they're also doing it with uh, rabbits who have been combined due to the fusion misfire with uh, artifacts of Mario of uh, the Mario characters themselves. So it's not just Mario and Luigi and Peach. It's Mario and Rabid Peach and Rabid Luigi and a bunch and a handful of other Rabid characters all running around together and trying to get to the source of the problem and undo the damage that's been done. And they, and they do this, actually, through a, another first for the Mario franchise, through uh, the rapid deployment of laser gun technology. So this game works by having you, like if you played uh, Fire Emblem, um, works by having you field characters, plan their movements, 
and plan their attacks back and forth between Mario and the heroic rabbits and the enemy rabbits who have been fused with all alternate artifacts and become villains. And so you get to move your characters around. You get to choose um, how to place them around obstacles and how to interact and take on enemies, either through direct fire, through uh, ray guns, through the lobbing of explosives, through setting field mines uh, that travel to enemies and attack them. And you learn to progress through a number of... Well, basically, each encounter is its own challenge because you have to place, um, you have to place on a scoreboard at the end of each challenge, and it rates you on how well you did, and that accords you experience and coin, so that you can uh, progress, so that you can become stronger and you can gain newer upgrades as you as you uh, continue to play. Nice. Anybody else play this one? I, I have not played it, but I did get it for my birthday this year, so Ooh. I'm waiting to start that up at some point. Backlog 2021, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... not playing uh, 2020 games is kind of a theme of this episode. So, I, I've i not personally played it, but I watched um, I watched a friend play through like 90% of that game. Strategy games usually aren't my forte, so I didn't mind as much just watching somebody else do it. And it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun from uh, what I saw of it. It is. It's, it's a very charming game. Um, it's, it's got some of the crude humor that the rabbits bring with them, but nine times out of 10, it's very light. Uh, there are a couple of, uh, <laughs> there are a couple of huge gags uh, that you won't uh, get the better of until you actually experience them firsthand. But, um, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there there are a couple of especially big, <laughs> crude gags that you have to participate in before you get to turn around and say, "Oh, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought the first time." Oh, good. Um, and if anybody's already played, it happens in the desert level. Uh, so if you've played in the desert level, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't played it, you haven't played it, and you should play it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of terrified from your description, but that might just be because it's late. <laughs> um, another good thing about this game is the soundtrack. They brought back uh, Grant Kirkhope of yeah, Banjo-Kazooie Banjo fame Ooh, nice. uh, to, do, to do the soundtrack for this game. And so you get a lot of Kirkhopian uh, takes on classic Mario songs, um, classic a uh, couple of classic donkey kong songs a uh, good good suite of it the soundtrack is one of the best parts of this game yeah i was really happy to hear that grant kirkhope was going to be the composer like back but, when they first revealed the game and they said he was going to be a part of it like the kid in me from having grown up with banjo and kazooie and a lot of the other rare games was like oh that's so cool <laughs> i did not realize that it was him that did that you can buy the soundtrack too off of itunes which is crazy because normally you can't buy like a mario soundtrack of any kind unless you thing. get a physical from japan it's not a mario game it's an ubisoft game featuring mario it's better yet yeah, and he's still in the title so that's why i make that comment so <laughs> better yet you can get this you can get the soundtrack on vinyl that's how, really? that's how hard they're going with the soundtrack wow yeah that's cool hey, you but um you know i thought a, it was uh... interesting hearing about this game and every time i hear people describe it they always compare it to XCOM. 
and watching gameplay between the two. I've only played a little bit of XCOM, but I can definitely see where people get that comparison. They, they basically call it XCOM with Mario, and you know, the, with how the gameplay plays out and how you um, how move around the battlefield and look for cover and stuff, it, you know, you definitely get that impression from it. And it's cool that they did that sort of take with it, I thought, with the guns and stuff. Well, you were the, the laser earlier. guns, excuse me, the laser guns. <laughs> I'm going to just interrupt Yangus here. He keeps talking. <laughs> but... No, you you mentioned earlier that this is definitely an Ubisoft game. You can tell by the pricing structure. Um, <laughs> have you seen the sales? Have you seen the sales this game has gone down to on the Switch? That's a fair point. <laughs> I have not because I don't have a Switch. So uh, yeah, it's it gone down cheap. to like fifteen, twenty bucks that at is, some points. That is unheard of for something with Mario in it. Correct. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, you never see Mario stuff for 50% off, yet this one has been multiple times more than 50% off. I, I think the cheapest I've ever gotten a, like a straight-up Mario game is when they used to do those 30% off coupons for the 3DS through the My Nintendo Rewards. Because that's how I got 3D Land for the 3DS is uh, 30% off, but... Yeah, that's that. That is crazy. Yeah, Mario Odyssey is like thirty percent off right now for the Christmas sale they got going, and it's it's like it's like shouldn't you guys knock that down just a little bit more? But then it's like, oh, it's Nintendo, so that's why. But <laughs> got to pay the Switch tax. Yep. <laughs> but you know they've done that for years though, so this isn't like a new like them actually having decent sales though. That's a new thing. But you know yeah. they usually don't knock their prices down on stuff it, unless it does really bad, like Codename Steam on the 3DS, which you could buy new copies of that for like five ten dollars. It's crazy. At one at one time, GameStop was only giving two cents on trade in value for that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that not even joking because i went to, i went just... to i went to trade in my copy i went to trade in my copy and the guy goes do you want to trade this in and he turns the monitor monitor to me and it said two cents i was like oh, i'll keep that well that was this was where gamestop yeah well yeah it's because it's gamestop i mean you know no no not i know i totally i totally <laughs> get it because they were going to put it back on the shelf out on the shelf for like 10 bucks so they made 98 percent they would have made 98% profit on that. Yep. Yeah, GameStop is not known for its uh, honest business dealings in terms of games. And that's why so many are closing. <laughs> um, but I, I really would recommend this game because it, it's phenomenal. It also has um, some very excellent DLC, a dedicated Donkey Kong, uh, a dedicated Donkey Kong uh, story, essentially, uh, which with multiple chapters and a lot of gameplay of its own. Which was actually very cool because in the, in the straight game, uh, you you do a mix. It's the gameplay is balanced around moving and uh, hitting targets. Uh, whereas I would say the Donkey Kong uh, DLC takes a lot of the of the same mechanics and reworks them just a little bit to focus mostly on uh, placing and moving your characters around the field. So, uh, for example, um, Donkey uh, the Donkey the DLC focuses on Donkey Kong and not Cranky Kong but Cranky Rabbit, <laughs> which is every bit as ridiculous as it sounds. But <laughs> but rather than um, focus on a lot of uh, sliding and jumping mechanics as in the straight game, whereas you can. If you run through an enemy, you can slide uh, and do a little Mega Man-style um, kick slide through them for damage. Or if you land on another, um, or if you 
move to where another character on your side is standing, you can use them as a springboard to propel yourself through the air and gain more distance. Uh, the Donkey Kong DLC focuses on allowing Donkey Kong to cover lots of ground and throw other characters, um, which was always his special, which was his specialty. So instead of having to maneuver uh, through pipes to gain um, to go uh, to go up to higher levels or down to lower ones, he could just climb up directly. He can swing from specialized vines. Um, to maneuver great distances he can carry and throw characters um which includes enemies includes obstacles and includes cranky kong who has um, special moves based on being thrown so a lot of it folk in the dlc focuses more tightly on placement than on variety of options so it's a it's a very distinct experience built around the same engine uh and is very worthwhile in its own right, because again, Grant Kirkhope gets to focus on more Donkey Kong songs, and um, a lot of the gameplay outside the combat is a big old Valentine to classic Donkey Kong Country. Uh, well worth well worth the investment for any old uh, Donkey Kong Country fans. All righty, nice. well, we are we are getting late here tonight, and I know Blue Star needs to get to bed at some point. You know, maybe yeah. some of the other, maybe. <laughs> maybe some of the others of us do too. No, you definitely do. We made <laughs> the night is still young. I was gonna say I've got 17 days of vacation starting today, so boom. Oh, I'm good. You are so lucky. Uh, if I've only more or less I got the next two weeks. Yep. <laughs> so let's get to your. <laughs> let's get to Blue Star's number one game. We have lost uh, poor Austin Erevar. He's having internet issues, so we will not be able to hear on this episode uh, his number one game of the year, which was uh, Stellaris. Um, a game I was very interested to hear him talk about. We'll see if we can't uh, hear from him on our next episode, maybe, or patch him in at some point. But let's finish up tonight with Blue Star's number one game and a game that kind of has really brought us all together, even though I don't play it anymore. But it's kind of the reason for the uh, unofficial official um, Den Discord, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess I, I do want to say that there hasn't been a whole lot of mocking our game taste so far tonight, so uh, I am a little concerned that you've been saving it for this last one. I mean, I could say a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> These are your favorite games. These are your opinions. I am not here to tell anybody differently. Let me tell you why you're wrong. But you. I can tell That's you, my at job. least this game... This game, That's... you can get a lot of content for very little money. You can! So, uh, the game is Dragon Quest of the Stars. It's probably the only game that I've played this year that actually released in 2020. Ooh. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, okay? Um, <laughs> so, I guess the it's it's a gadget game. It's, it's a little bit of an un conventional gacha game from what i've seen it's the only gacha game i've ever played so it's all it's all i know um the draw of it when i played that's it's the only one i've played that hates me (laughs) (laughs) uh the draw for it for me was that it it looks a lot like dragon quest 9 multiplayer where everybody has their own character they have their own classes that they can level up and you know with the equipment equipment and the costumes you can really customize your own character and go and take on bosses varying from 
you know, really easy green dragons to the dragon lord and, you know, Mortimer. And I think most recently we fought, I guess it's not, not that exciting, but we fought the uh, Malign Vine from Dragon Quest Seven. I named the game. I definitely did. Ooh, number seven. <laughs> Um, but it's it's not a game without its flaws. It is a mobile game, and so there's a, there's enough there that you know Platy and Yangus aren't on the cool kids train anymore. Um, but Platy and Yangus who've fallen off the cool kids train. It's not you know people who stayed on the cool kids train. I'm a cool kid. <laughs> I'm tied to the top of the caboose of this train flying down the tracks. That's where I'm at. But I think I'm far the rails on a crazy train. We haven't let him leave. I, say, I, I think leave. we're 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 dragging him along for friend points. <laughs> the the um, adjectives cool and uh, kid don't describe me at all. So uh, <laughs> maybe that's why I haven't. Uh, I, I gave this game a good week. I gave this game a good week. The monsters all look very festive and adorable right now for Christmas. So uh, I have seen them; they look great. It's it's a good time. Um, honestly, I don't even know how many hours I have put in this game over the course of the year. Um, it's it's something that you know, for a lot of things, you can start it up and just sort of let it run on your desk while you're working on something else. That's definitely how I've done a lot of uh, a lot of the story. The story is. It's, it's a mixed bag. There's a ton of padding in it, but there are some cool twists in it that, you know, you don't really see coming. But uh, all in all, it would probably be about one, uh, the, the length of one, you know, Dragon Quest game chapter if you cut out all the padding. Yeah, each chapter is like 90% padding, too. Yeah, I remember where I stopped was, I think it was one of the first continents you were able to go to. There was a point where you were looking for a thief. Unless, I think it was either supposed to be Kandor or Robin Hood, as they always call him. Now, um, I think you're supposed to be looking for him. I went to the first location and told me, it's like, oh, well, he's not here at all. He must have went up to the other location. Go to the other location. Well, he's not here at all. But look, there's a map. We can follow this map and figure out where he is. It's like, oh, my God. Can we just move on with the stupid story, please? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> that part doesn't really go away. Uh but there's there's some gems in there too. Uh, but what's really cool about the game is the multiplayer and playing with your friends, and it is what actually started the unof- official unofficial Dragons Den Discord, which I I don't know about everybody else, but I'm very thankful for it, and it's brought me here to what is what is this my fourth slime time episode now? Uh, so get the five, and you'll get a special prize. <laughs> <laughs> No more Apparently. invites to come back. <laughs> <laughs> don't be like, don't That's be your like Lurian and don't That's your prize. I was going to say, have we ever had anybody on six? Who knows? What was that, Yangus? I said, don't be like Barurian and choose not to be on five times in a row. <laughs> well, you, see you the missed contra- out on me doing a perfectly good joke, and you didn't show up for that fifth time. Hmm. <laughs> I could show up for the fifth episode, but if you're just talking uh, best games of 2020 again, I feel like that would be kind of redundant, and I don't want to steal anybody else's thunder. I'm going to steal all that thunder and be back next time. <laughs> and he's going to have where... he's going to have like three more games he just played within like the span of two weeks. 
Hell, <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say, I think our next recording time is Austin Erevar's birthday, so he probably won't be on there to discuss his number one game. So, Brurian, if you want to get some Stellaris time in between now and two weeks from now, I mean, you can, you can fill, fill in, in for us. Yep. Understudy. You can be his mouthpiece. <laughs> I will not be participating, but I will perfectly be happy to make subversive comments afterwards. <laughs> Those are always welcome. Half the pod quest. Podcast. Blech. Half the podcast. Podcast. Just sound, that's the, that's going to be the next spinoff of Slime Time. It's going to be Slime Time Podcast. That's yeah. It's such an excellent title. Like, why did we miss that? How did we miss uh, that? Yeah. How does that not come up? Yeah, Planet. You've been doing a show for three years or so now. What the heck? Three years. We're, we're we're not even at one and a half years yet. Oh, we're not. So, yeah, I thought you guys have been oh, doing no. this since 2018. So yeah, yeah. Like more, 2020 more has just seemed that long. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, even, if they, if it, even if it does go back to 2018, it's not three years. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, more or less, yeah. The, the the Discord started up as kind of a offshoot to facilitate uh, Dragon Quest of the Star multiplayer. Like it was me and Glaceon and one other person. I think at the time, I forget. I don't even know if they're part of the server anymore. But we started it up. I think it was this guy named Sick Boy, but I don't know if that was his name on the server, on the forums or not. But the original Discord we were doing it on, the person just straight up deleted the Discord. So I kind of just made a second one to just kind of start doing that, and it's grown into this nice little community. And the Dragon Quest of the Stars uh, channel is probably the most active channel. That doesn't mean there's the not great stuff on all of the other channels too. Uh, oh no, no. That's I, what I'm saying is it's 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 still there for what it does. I was gonna say yes, it was the beginning, but it has uh, prompted quite a bit of other good discussion all around. Yes, and the yeah. best channel came about like a month ago. <laughs> with, uh, the best with channel came out came about a, a couple days ago. The Geriatrics Channel. <laughs> oh yes, let me tell you about my knees. <laughs> No, 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 no. The best channel was Yangus. Yangus's root veggie roundup. The long-running joke that finally became reality thanks to Blue. <laughs> um, I don't think what Blue realizes is that uh, I talked at length about Dragon Quest of the Stars on the main podcast earlier this year. <laughs> yes. Whoa. That, that was, was like, our. Uh, that was before February? I knew any of you. Yeah. I think it was yeah. like the first week of the game back in February. Oh, how simple oh. your life was then, Blue. <laughs> What's funny about Actually, that, Blue, is he was totally like a replacement person for that that night. We had a guest scheduled to be on um, Slime Time, and we were pinging and messaging and just couldn't get a hold of that person that night. And then Liam was like, hey, you know, I think I see Brewery and like posting about uh, Dragon Quest of the Stars on Twitter like five minutes ago. <laughs> So we messaged him on Twitter, and like 10 minutes later, we had him on, uh, what is it, here we, we record on Skype and did a mm -hmm. whole episode, and yeah, yeah, 10 minutes earlier, he had no clue that was going to happen. We had no clue that was going to happen. Yeah, it was a good night. It was. It really was. Yeah, and you know, with listening to that episode, you wouldn't imagine that it was like done at the last second with no. you as the guest. It, you just seemed totally prepared. <laughs> did you also know I was like four or five beers in? No. <laughs> hey. All kinds of facts. <laughs> I mean, other than the opening joke, do we really script any of this show? You wouldn't know any of this was. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> Nothing, none of this was planned. 
So how's the multiplayer content been going lately, Blue? I have not really been keeping up with it. Right now, uh, so the big thing that just released was a new story chapter. So there are a lot of people who are focusing on that. But the event that is going on right now is actually, uh, it's kind of funny. Because with all of the festive monsters, you actually get to fight Santa. And just oh. absolutely <laughs> murder Santa over and over and over again. <laughs> As gotcha that- games go. As so, you know, happens in every Dragon Quest game. <laughs> gotta gotta get all the drops. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, he's actually a recolor of the Almighty from That's Dragon awesome. Quest Seven. I was VII. just about to ask. Oh my gosh! Ask of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> that's so awesome. That, so that's really cool. Um, there are a lot of really cute uh, costumes from the event too, as drops and as you know rewards. There's, there's also a weird kind of mechanic where for doing the event, there are holiday points that drop, and you can then spend the holiday points on specific prizes from the uh, from Santa himself. So it's, it's, it's different and cool, and honestly, a lot of the Christmas fashion is really fun. It's just It just makes me happy, man. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I think uh, when I first started playing my first Dragon Quest gacha game, it was a Dragon Quest Monster Super Light, and I downloaded it very shortly after it came out in Japan. And it was winter, springtime, and they had some of those little icicle slimes and some of the stuff back then, gosh, like five, six years ago. I remember laying in bed under the covers at spring break, freezing my butt off and just not knowing a single word of Japanese and playing that game because it was so simple enough that you could do that. But yeah, seeing the pictures y'all have posted, um, it's pretty fun to see those guys again and a lot more new ones too. There's some cringy love interests from Gaius because he gets around, but you know, that's okay, (laughs) I guess. What hasn't that man done? Uh, in both that's... the figurative and literal <laughs> sense. I was about to say, what are we? <laughs> uh, you can hear the sound of the rating of this podcast upticking by one. It is now PG thirteen. Well, no, that that goes to the explicit tag right there. <laughs> and then, and then you just you can't watch, but Blue just buries her face in her hands. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> This was my favorite game until two minutes ago. (laughs) This is when we need that clip from, I think it's Metal Gear Solid 5, where it's like, why are we still here? Just to suffer. (laughs) The struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anything extra good? Anything else you want to tell us about this game? I definitely... There's... That's the that's the stutter of a gotcha game for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in it, and it's evolving enough that uh, there's you could talk about it for ever and ever and ever. But it's late, and uh, I don't know about all of you guys, but it's a little bit past my bedtime, so I may not be quite as coherent <laughs> as I am normally. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll help you out with one. One of the biggest additions that they added recently was unpaywalling the auto. Right. I did right. see that. 
platform. Which was a which was a boon for me. I hated how that was behind a paywall because you know I set up my desk at work on a computer and I was I usually have the game going and have auto turned on with the speed up to three and I just clear dungeon and clear dungeon so I could see story content. And uh, when I stopped paying for the game, I got lost that and I was just like, oh, what's the point now? You know what they've now done? Now you're back, baby. They've now given I'm back. You, they've given from outer space. They've, uh, they've differentiated <laughs> their uh, auto pay, uh, their um, auto play, their AI into the classic Dragon Quest categories: show no mercy, focus on healing, don't use MP, all the rest of it. Yeah. And what they've done instead is they've given you be aggressive for free, but you can pay for balance, pl- uh, defensive, using skills, or manual control. Which, no. let me tell you, is probably very useful because the story bosses towards... Uh, we're actually nearing the end of the first season of the story, so we're finishing up the first planet, planet Brulia, and getting ready to head off to the next planet, because it is Dragon Quest of the Stars, it's an interstellar RPG. Um, but They're finally Fox, going off the planet? I can't they're believe They're going it. off the planet. Uh, <laughs> But We've run out of planets. The bosses towards the end of the story are they're an absolute nightmare. Um, so, unfortunately, you can't just auto your way through all of the story, which I kind of miss. I'm stuck on a boss right now, and I've got fairly high-level characters, probably. Well, that, that's because you have pride. I mean, you could totally pay for it in gems. You know you could. <laughs> okay, but I spent my gems trying to get more sage staffs so I can have more kafrizzles. <laughs> So yeah, around chapter what is it? Ten is betra- is uh what Jungal is ten? Was that right? Oh, that doesn't sound right. Okay, well around the time you get to the country they call Jungal, which might be actually I think I'm ahead of myself. I think that's more closer to chapter eight. Um, the difficulty spikes hard. It gets. I, I want to say mm-hmm. that's closer to chapter eighteen. Well, okay, ten plus eight, we're close enough. Um, <laughs> One of the ones with an eight in it. <laughs> There's only so many of them. Um, yeah, I'm I'm counting. I think closer to continents than actual chapters because continents in this game are split up into multiple chapters. I forgot. Um, but what, by the time you get to the Jungal continent, uh, the difficulty spike gets really hard, and you can even see a bit of it at the end of the Frost continent. What's the What's the icy continent? On, uh, Tundrica? Brulia. Tundrica, yeah. There's a whole you... continent in between there that I think you're forgetting about, but that's okay. That's okay. It wasn't very important. <laughs> um, but right around, at least as far as Jungal, the difficulty gets really hard, and that's where the um, the AI no longer cuts the mustard, as it were. So you have to pay close attention to the story box. Everybody okay on that? On the other end there? I think All so. Good. It sounded like uh, somebody did some shuffling of intensity. Um, <laughs> shuffling intensifies. <laughs> so uh, once you get to once you get to Jungal, it, the game stops letting you uh, do the story bosses with AI because the story bosses get mean. They get free revives on a lot of their uh, supporting units. Um, so many they status have... ailments, and you don't have enough food slots to protect <laughs> yourselves against all of them. They start throwing a bunch of um, of unique DQX-only story bosses at you, which include variants on uh, Amon, on Exorcist, 
Um, we talked. We mentioned this a little bit on the den. I think a while ago, uh, we just uh, shared um, some new graphic graphics of the new monsters in Platinum. You said you couldn't recognize like half of them, and I said that was the half that was from DQX. Yeah, yeah. Those are all the new story bosses that are kicking our butts. <laughs> yeah, I'm running into that sort of problem in a game that I've been playing, but I can't talk about that till we do the next episode. But <laughs> no, I. But, um, yeah, like with the gotcha thing, I definitely think that there's a point where they're just like, all right, we're going to start taking out the kid gloves. Either fork over the money or grind like crazy. You you can play this. You can invest time or money. What's your choice? (laughs) Well, it sounds like a good time for uh, anyone who loves Dragon Quest on their phone, anybody who loves a more casual experience or even the harder experience hearing all your uh, problems you're having with yeah these, uh, new story bosses that is actually a good point because there there are lots of things in the game that accommodate different you know levels of play so there are all of these fiend keys that you can get and they're essentially really really hard versions of all of the event bosses so you'll fight like fiend dragon lord and he's brutal um, but, you know, if, if you're maybe a newer player or someone who's more casual, you don't have to touch those and you can still get a lot out of the game. So there's, it, it's very accommodating to different levels of play. Shout out to Liquid Metal Slime, who has been, like, just slothing his way through that game all year. <laughs> that, that, that man is a machine. We love elements. Yeah, we've got a we've got a hand we've got a good handful of dedicated um, DQOTS players. I want to call it DCOTS. I'm going to call it DCOTS because I'm I'm too lazy for the full spelling. <laughs> There's got no a good way to say that acronym. Yeah, we got, got a bunch of dirty DQOTS. <laughs> DQOTS then. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Get that get that Q in there. DQOTS. Uh, we got a bunch of of good dequats uh players in the discord so it's not uncommon for us for a bunch of us to get together and do um group raids on uh challenging bosses for extra loot nice yeah and we i know we've said this many times in the past but uh come join us on the discord server we'll have to put a link put the permanent link down in our uh show title here yeah, we'll we'll put the area. link in this part of the video right now. So whatever you're listening to this podcast on, just start touching your screen like crazy, and eventually it'll open it up. <laughs> that probably will not happen. <laughs> Be sure to smash that probably bell. Probably end up pausing or deleting. Smash or... that bell. <laughs> smash that like button. Hit subscribe. Yeah, Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Smash the bell. Do whatever you want to the bell. Just hit the bell. You became a bunch of YouTubers in like 30 seconds, and we're no good at it. Okay. <laughs> so um i think that about rounds it up anybody else have anything to say about their uh, games yes i'm ready to walk downstairs and beat yakuza like a dragon all I've right been, well i'm, I'm itching. itching midnight it is midnight guess who doesn't have to work tomorrow dang Me? it you're right i hate you guys <laughs> oh i'll probably go put two hours in a cross belt so Oh, you're still playing Smash Brothers as Sephora. <laughs> I want to go have dinner. 
Oh, That's right. It's, it's only people. it's only nine. It's only nine for Jaybird. And he has only eleven dinner. o'clock for oh, me right now. So sad. <laughs> My stomach agrees with everything Blue just said. all right well let's end it here at the bottom of the hour so that's it for this episode of slime time side quest um thanks to aus nervar even though you didn't make it to the end with some uh internet problems tonight but uh thanks brother jaybird blue star and burian at least the bees stuck with us for joining us to talk about their favorite games they played recently the triple god baby the b team (laughs) <laughs> it's, a quality, it's a quality triple B game. Triple <laughs> B. Wow, that fits, that fits right in. You know, come back in a couple weeks and you'll hear the triple A team talk about uh, their favorite games from 2020. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Uh, and Just, you know, there's there's jokes I could make. I'm, I'm not going to say. But, I was going to say, uh, none of us have an A in our name that we're going to be talking next time at all. <laughs> We'll be all over the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, there are going to be. I think all of us have A's in our name on the next episode. Well, A, we don't start with A. We're not, we, we can't be as cool as the B team. That's true. Um, then we'll, we're going to be the weird. E-P-E-Y. We could be the Yep team. Yep. Be the yep team. <laughs> yep. Team Yep. Join us in two weeks yep. Team Yep. 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 <laughs> Yarp. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thanks for. Uh, joining us tonight, guys, and we'll see if we um, have another crossover favorites when Platy and I uh, have uh, two more guests, and hopefully we can have Oss back on uh, to finish off his list on the next episode in about uh, two, three weeks. Yep, we'll reveal more then, and uh, also I'm going to reveal tonight the creation of something everybody's been waiting for, because we're going to start our own Patreon page so that all of you out there can just donate money to us to go uh, spend uh, on... Uh, uh, play, 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 play. Stick with the script, man. Come on. Stick with the script. Oh, oh yeah. Let me, let me scroll down a bit. Right, 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 right. Okay, so you might have noticed that the only time we ever mention Patreon on this podcast is when we say we don't use Patreon. We're just longtime fans that want to speak about the topics we know and love so much. If you have any money you would like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com den. Click on support this site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den. Uh, fan site for over 20 years now. He would appreciate any donation. I know um, we've had some recently. Um, or you can use his Amazon affiliate links to make any purchases. Um, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, we got the new Dragon Quest 11s games coming out for um, Definitive Edition now is on PlayStation 4 and Xbox and all over the place. So he's got affiliate links for that and pretty much anything new from amazon he's got a link to it so use those get a small fraction of that sale to go support the den uh if you have any suggestions for a future side quest episode uh, we'd be happy to hear from you you can reach out to platy via his twitter platy m3 or you can reach out to him on the discord server for the dragon's den or the actual dragon's den itself uh, you can also contact me at Yangus the legendary bandit on the dragon's den discord server or on the dragon's den itself uh, via personal message uh, we do have a list of games and other topics we'd like to talk about in the future but if you have any suggestions about anything you want to hear maybe you want to hear more about one of the games that one of our guests mentioned tonight uh, as one of their favorite games of 2020 you know we'd be happy to revisit the topic or to add a new topic to the list, whatever you have. We have a big list of ideas, and we're happy to hear from whoever has some new suggestions. Excellent. Bye, everyone.
Side quest See. complete, or is it? See you in part two.